everybody, and welcome to episode 350 of Video Game Apocalypse. It took all of my power not to say 350 right there. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, and I actually did think about making this episode about cryptids in uh, in reference to the Loch Ness Monster needing about 350 on South Park, mm-hmm. but then I realized that's a 20-year-old reference. Who else is joining me here in the official magical <laughs> studio person of the decade, Chris Antista. Uh, this is my show, baby, Matthew Allen. Person of 20 years, twice as good, George Albor. God damn it. Huh? Thank you for joining us, George, to uh, continue counting down our games, games of, of the, the decade. decade. Put, Put some, some reverb on that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. a great Decade, answer. decade, decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... This, this is a, a fun little trip down past 10 years that we all voted on. And as I explained last week, the three core hosts and a couple of other hidden hosts voted and came up with a list of 45 games when we wanted to get it to, down to 25. And there was a list of 10 that we all pretty much agreed on. But then after that, I decided like, well, rather than just discussing this or devoting an entire show to winnowing down the list, let's just everybody pick five. So I picked five, and we went last week. And Matt has picked five that we're going to do this week. And next week, we're going to do Chris's five. And you should not see these as necessarily numbers 25 through 20 or 20 through 15. No, no. Mine are definitive. He doesn't speak for me. (laughs) (laughs) Chris's can be 15 to 11. Fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, But yeah, these are just the number 15 to 11 for each of us uh, participating on this. So that works. Yeah, sure. But anyway, it's been an interesting week. You got in a fight with Seth Rogen. I did get in a fight with Seth Rogen. Did you really? That was weird. No, he won immediately just by participating. (laughs) (laughs) He is on an entirely different level than me. Come on, fuck on. Uh, that, That was that was a weird thing that happened over the weekend. So just like watching 40-year-old virgin on TV and like, oh, here's that scene where they, they're they calling each other gay and they're playing video games. And I realized, like, they're kind of holding their controllers weird. I'm going to take a picture and make fun of this. And it was like, why well, 40-year-old virgin's on TV and who TF holds their controllers like this and then go away for an hour and come back, look at Twitter again, and like, what are all these notifications? Holy shit, this has hundreds of likes. Holy shit, Seth Rogen replied to it. That's what has hundreds of likes. Three hours later. <laughs> yeah, Michael's he's... Menchie's blowing up. Yeah, he's, he just said, I do. And everybody's like, yeah, you should have yeah, said I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I love the dudes who came to his defense like, well, if you'd ever really played fighting games, you would know. And I'm like, let me stop you right there. Seth <laughs> Rogen is not the dude playing fighting <laughs> games with the fucking fi- the claw grip, all right? Just, I mean, just, they, they are playing... More Mortal Kombat, uh, I think, Deadly Alliance on Xbox in that, so... I assume yeah. it's just all Canadians hold their controller that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, some no, people you, say that. Like, you explained it on, on Laser Talk that, that, that it's Paul Rudd who has a gaming chair with joysticks in his chair, uh-huh. so he looks super weird. Yeah, well, because if yeah, you think he's holding so a controller, it just looks like he, he's got, like, both hands over the back of the controller. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it looks like he's it looks like he's standing in for like a Captain Kirk shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just rolling around in a chair. <laughs> but that that was a, a very strange moment. <laughs> kind of yeah. surreal, but it made my day. So thank you, Seth Rogen, for stepping yes. into my mentions. Th- thanks to the person that snitched on you too. Yeah, 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 for real. Yeah, thanks whoever that was. I forget Twitter <laughs> snitch. <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, we are going to jump in with Matt's top five games yeah, of the yeah, decade. Sure. These that are, are my numbers top five. ten yep. through one. Yeah. Uh, it's a good <laughs> set, Matt. It's a good set of five. It, this yeah, is a good set is. of five. It's a really good set. These probably all belong in the top ten, but what's in the top ten is somehow even better. It's good enough for you to stick around after the break to yes. hear them. Which we'll go into right now. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 1999. I did find clips of the behind the music of Chris Gaines, Holy which shit, also is a thing happen. that happened. Wow. He was so powerful. <laughs> and there's parts of this where Garth Brooks is talking about Chris Gaines like he's a separate person from yes. him. It's almost like he had a psychotic break. Like it's well, I, like, kind of worrying. I've sometimes. always I've always been of two mi- two minds about get it. it. All of this exists because Garth Brooks wanted to do not a country album. He's right. just like let let me try out some more pop and rock type stuff. But that's so just put out a pop and rock type album. That's the fucked up thing that I wish I could have sat Garth Brooks down and put my hands on his checkered shoulders <laughs> and said, Garth, your music is so popular. Yeah. Because your music is a little more rock than country. Mm-hmm. You're already making right. rock music. Your Chris Gaines music isn't rock enough to be rock. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It sucks because you, you, you're dressed like a fan of The Cure and you play like <laughs> like sub Kenny Loggins music. Like this is not this is not <laughs> yeah. good. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back to talk about what? My top five games of the decade of all time. Uh Uh-huh. Not counting our top ten. Not counting those other games, which are, again, unassailable list. This this list, semi-assailable, but it's still pretty pretty solid. Let's talk some games. Number five. (laughs) Put me down. Let's go. Easy now. You're in a bad way. Is it squid? Where is my Frenchman? The squid's gone. Your mate was torn apart. For that, the beast is dead. How? How did you kill it? We didn't. It left with the storm. Mild spoilers, the Frenchman was torn apart in which game? Return of the Obra Dean. The mm. This is my Dark Horse entry, man. Like, mm. this is... In that it was published by Dark Horse. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's a Dark Horse comic, <laughs> uh, a stipple comic. It's a new. It's a new genre. It's like strand genre stipple comic. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, this this game for me it, it does belong in my personal top ten. Um, it was one of those things where there were so many good games to to whittle down from, but this is kind of my statement game. Um, and the reason I wanted to include it there's there's a few reasons. It's like I know it's 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 a bad bad name to call these, but you know. This past de- decade was probably the decade of the walking simulator, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of where they had sure. their, their rise. And I think Return of the Obra Dinn kind of takes that and brings that genre to a whole other level. Because it there's no action in this game. It, it is a walking simulator where you are literally just exploring a ship and trying to discover what happened to the crew of said ship and, mm-hmm. and who lived and who died. And if they died, how they died and, and who killed them if someone killed them and it is it is a walking simulator mixed with an Ace Attorney game uh, mixed with Clue. Yeah, it's it sort of has like a, a hidden object vibe to it, and that like okay now you 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 are exploring 
what are basically three-dimensional crime scenes frozen in time, mm-hmm. looking for, for clues and uh, writing them down in your magic journal. I love that. With every discovery, you get that, that hit of music. and Yeah, uh, yeah and, and you, you talk about writing them down in your magic journal. One of the reasons I included this here is, is very few games actually make me take notes in real life. And this game was one of those because you're like, if you put a wrong entry and you don't want to mess up what happens in the game and guess wrong or whatever, um, but it is, you're deducing things based on things you find or because as you stumble upon these scenes, it kind of takes you, it does an inception where it like takes you into the past and shows you a scene from that. And then sometimes you can go from one scene even deeper into the past and stuff like that. And so you kind of have to keep track like, okay, like, like a good example of this is at one point in the game, you show all these people in their bunks, you mm-hmm. know, and and they have like little numbers on their bunks, which are their like kind of crew numbers, which are in your book. And then you can, based on kind of what they're wearing, like you might not even see their face, but you might see a certain type of shoe or whatever. Yeah. You then have to, based on what you saw in another scene, be like, oh, that was the guy in those shoes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. He was here, so he couldn't have done it here. And, and also you have right. to pay very careful attention to the dialogue. I want you to listen to this line that I played again. It's good. <laughs> Where is my Frenchman? The squid's gone. Your mate was torn apart. So from that, you can deduce that it, there there are names of all the crewmen, and you have yeah. to match them up to their fates. Yeah. So you can deduce, like, okay, if I find a French name, if there's only one French name, that's probably this guy's mate. He, I can put down he was torn apart by a squid. Yeah. And then, uh, based on his job title, I can figure out who this guy is who's talking and write down his cause of death. And he also, I think, uttered a Dutch word in there of like mm. verdot or that might Verdumped, have been. Verdumped, yeah. And, and so you're able to, because I think it does also put their country of origin, like where they're from. And, mm-hmm. and that's how you can deduce it. But yeah, there's a, so that's a great example. And then the reason you know, oh, he was his mate, there's like a picture. There, there's sometimes there's pictures in your journal that will show them like interacting with each other and you have to. You can kind of make assumptions that turn into deductions later, like, oh, he's right. whispering to him in this scene, so he's he's probably his maid and stuff like that. And it's just – I've never more felt like Sherlock Holmes playing a video game, and mm-hmm. this game does this perfectly. And I, I love what it did, and I hope more walking simulators kind of take the cues versus just, hey, we're just going to kind of show you a story – so another game that, that is sort of related and, and might have been on my list was What Remains of Edith Finch, mm-hmm. right? But that's a great example to me, at least, of a game where you're not really playing that so much as you're walking around and uncovering things. And then you might you, – you'll go through scenes and it's showing things to you. Whereas in this game, it is a bit more interactive. And that's why for me, it, yeah. it really is – I just want more games to do closer to something like The Vanishing of Ethan Carter where you're actually piecing yeah, together. exactly, exactly. And I love the way that by the end of Obradin, the solutions are sort of fall into place. And you mm-hmm. start to like remember, oh, right, I saw that character back in this memory. I should go relive that and see what their fate was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it's one of those games you can finish it without finishing it all the way. Like you are allowed to close the book and, and solve kind of a main mystery without mm-hmm. having to solve everything. But no one does that. You're going to want to solve everything yeah. in this thing. Be- because after a certain point, the uh, the surly ferryman wants you to... to- pick up the pace easy michael company man woke me up <laughs> said you'd need ferry to the old not many eager for that job seems a bit late if you ask i didn't Ooh. yeah she's so cold but yeah the protagonist is a female insurance claims adjuster <laughs> 
1807, which can't have been a job many women held back then. No. But uh, that's that's one of the reasons this game's so brilliant is how boring does that sound? You're an insurance claims adjuster. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you're going to see fucking giant squid and all kinds of cool shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's kind of like the first big surprise. It's like mm-hmm. first first that, you know, you have a magic pocket watch that lets you see how corpses became corpses. Yeah. Sucks you into a vortex. And and I think for everyone, the first thing you see is the captain yes. doing some stuff. And then – but you're, that surprise you mentioned – it's like five minutes after that. It's not very far into the game where it's like, oh, shit, there's a giant squid. Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or the Kraken, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kraken toast, Grandma. I don't know. I love this game. Am I the only one who, who like, would put this on his top ten? Like, this is, this is to me. I, I took a pack to never play a visual novel again, but if you tell me this is a walking simulator, I'll believe you. I mean, he's the. this is made by Lucas Pope, who made one of my favorite games of all time, yes. Papers, Please. Papers, Please. So... Mm-hmm. When he un- unveiled this game years ago, I, I knew it was going to be great. And I do think Oberdin probably would be on one of my top ten games. I think it's great. Shout out to the rendering style here. He made it look like just a, a two-tone black and white Mac OS game from yeah. like 1984. It looks like if if you ever played like a hypercard game on an, an OG like oh. Mac Plus, you know, you, you might know what I'm talking about. But but this is like fully rendered in 3D. You can move around it freely. But then there's several filters you can also play in. Yeah, that will you can change. Like one, because the, the, the default one has that slightly greenish tinge, right? And then the, mm. the other ones, it's like no straight up black and white. And yep. then there's one that's like blue with the white line. Yeah, there's like the, the amber monochrome yeah. for people oh. who had those monitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a great little nostalgia like trip. Yeah, calculator sure. screen mm-hmm. mode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah, man! The yeah. TI eighty eight mode. Man. Mm-hmm. Is there a Game Boy filter to just like make it really green? I forget. It's good, uh, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic game. Everyone should play it, and yeah. uh, it's 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 just a such a rare experience. And I think it, it made it into our, I know at least our top ten of twenty eighteen. But uh, yeah, 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 and, and for me personally, like a. A big part of my gaming tastes are indie games, and so I, I kind of had to have at least one big indie entry in here. And Michael, last week you had Stardew, so you know yeah. this is indie short for made by Indiana Jones. That's right, mm-hmm. Indiana, mm-hmm. the immortal programmer. We called the dog Indiana. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually by Indiana Jones's dog, who's also immortal. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's and the move protagonist on. for Silent Hill. One yes, of the- <laughs> yes, yes, the antagonist. Yeah, but right. yes, <laughs> number four. Had an adorable Shiba Inu. What is Ah, uh, yes. Uh, this is Shovel Knight. You said one indie man, one indie. <laughs> one, yeah, this is two. Then you count this as an indie at this point. Like Shovel Knight I, I, is one of the you know biggest what? I was in celebrities. Best, I, I was in Best Buy today, and there's a gold Shovel Knight amiibo available. So Ooh. I don't know what is more evident of hitting the big time. But if you have an amiibo, people know who you are. Being in Smash Brothers is the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Shovel Knight, man, um, I will admit, I came rather late to the Shovel Knight party. Like, I'd heard it was quite good for a long time. I just never picked it up for myself mm-hmm. until, God, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but I finally got it um, and fucking devoured the main campaign and immediately 
luckily, one of the benefits of waiting so long to play these games is all the other campaigns were sitting there waiting for me, or, or, yes. or several of them. So yep. I still have yet to play the the most recent one, the, the King. I think it's the King Knight. Mm-hmm. King yeah, Knight, yeah. Yes. Um, Got his titles mixed up. Yeah, but I um yes, this this game is just. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Like they have yeah. continued to support this game with additional modes, with additional campaigns, and and yeah, you might be playing through some of the same levels, but each of the main characters plays so differently in those campaigns. Mm-hmm. It does really feel like a different game. It's it's and it, you know it it's, it's it does what any good retro game does, which is it makes you think back to those games that we all grew up with and knew and loved. But it does way more than those games ever could, because kind of when you... it is it is way better than your nostalgia for yeah. games like it. Yeah, because yeah. admittedly, like I go back and I play the NES Classic games that are part of the Nintendo Online service. I can spend about five minutes with most of those games. I'm like, then I tap out. I'm like, oh, this, okay, yeah, it was fun back then. Whereas this game, it it learns from those and then takes you know inspiration from more modern games and is is just so playable and so good and it's it, yeah how would you describe it? it's like a combo of ducktales meets <laughs> mega man mega man castle is definitely Dark the first Souls. game i thought of well yeah. he he does the bouncing on the shovel he does, thing yeah that's true mm-hmm. something that's not dark souls but lets you pick up your shit too human that's what i'm looking for too <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> human. Uh, but I think I think uh, the my, next my favorite thing mm-hmm. about the game is that it, and I don't know how to put this very eloquently, but I played this on multiple platforms all the way through. It never outstays its welcome. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of retro games that like we get it, you can do this. Mm-hmm. That's enough. But like there's every every time they add added something new or put it on a new platform, I played it all like 100 percent of it again. Yeah. It also and never feels like it succumbs to something that retro games do, which is difficulty for difficulty's sake. Everything yeah. feels like there are challenges abound, but I never felt incredibly frustrated by playing Shovel Knight. Yeah, it never felt cheap, you know, and, and the most you lose when you, when you keep dying is like, oh, I lost some of that currency that I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and spend here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but, you know, if you find a mound of dirt, you can always just dig it back up again. It's Shovel Knight. I had to put a digging sound effect in there somewhere. I dig it, man. There's a shovel, after all. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a shovel. It's and, a- and, and I love that whatever it is about Shovel Knights, I never get tired of saying he became like the biggest slut in all gamedom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Game and, uh, slut. He almost became like the ambassador for Kickstarter games. If your game well, gets yeah. Kickstarter yeah, yeah. over a million dollars, you get Shovel Knight. Uh-huh. In some ways, I, I feel like that is an embodiment of the indie development spirit where a lot of indie devs support each other and they, they give each other yeah. tips on, on when they're making their games or support or in in the case of this game when you become really famous they will lend their character to your game to maybe get it a little mm-hmm. bit of exposure honestly Kickstarter should just license Shovel Knight as their mascot at this point it's a great idea yeah but ne- but weirdly, the, my my only anger with Shovel Knight is his recent appearance, semi recent appearance in Bloodstained, where he's like, "Why is this guy so fucking difficult to beat up?" Like, <laughs> you can take Holy a shit. lot of punishment, and there's a bunch of him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sucks. Well, actually, you mentioned Bloodstained. What's funny is I feel like was it Curse of the Moon? Is that the the retro Bloodstained? Yes, yes. I feel like that drew inspiration from Shovel Knight. Yeah, that probably would not exist if not for Shovel Knight. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, I feel like that kind of kicked off a wave of, you know, quasi-retro games that actually that aren't aren't slavishly devoted to being retro that yeah. incorporate yeah. newer gameplay ideas like Shovel Knight does. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and right. it, you know this this game to me falls in the same category as like Owlboy, which I played a few mm. years ago, and that's another Beautiful. that game had been like in development for what like eleven years or something like that, and it's one of those games that it looks better than those games ever could have looked back then, but it still feels like those games. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. most surprising thing about kind of both both of both that game and Shovel Knight is that it wasn't developed by Way Forward because it's like they are the masters of this, and it's like oh, yeah. this, this game put Yacht Club games on the is Yacht Yacht Club yeah games. Yacht Club games yeah which, which is Way Forward. Mm-hmm. I think Dead Cells is up there as well as like a game that's clearly inspired by it. Oh yeah, or at least has found success as a result of people's familiarity with yeah. that style. Mm-hmm. Like so, I wonder like could the creators of Yacht Club ga- Yacht Club games actually like afford their own yacht club now? I, you know, I, I was—I well, almost mistakenly said Yacht Rock games, and <laughs> yeah, now right. I just want to go found that as a dev studio. <laughs> I want to go look at that video series. <laughs> oh, hello there! You've caught me murdering a homeless woman. <laughs> go look up Yacht Rock, kids. It's great. All right. uh, anyway, all of the halls and all of the oats. Yeah. Any anything else to say about uh, Shovel Knight? Knight of the Shovels, King of Cards. I think I've the- said enough. Most recent expansion, you should go play it. It also got a fighting game, the name of which escapes me. But something Showdown or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And then there, there's a new one coming too, right? The, like the 16-bit version of Shovel Knight. It, Ooh. It got announced. Oh. Jumping back. ahead to the 16-bit revolution. <laughs> I mean, I want to play this. It was, it was always kind of 16-bit. Like, it, it had sort of like NES aesthetics, but like an NES couldn't do any of the stuff well, that this is Did you see the, the, the idea that Shovel Knight is built in a 3D engine? Oh, mm-hmm. is it? Oh, is it yeah. one of those? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it, like there's a video breaking it down, but like, like that parallax scrolling is just because it's made in an actual 3D environment. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, anyway, you know what else is built in a 3D environment? Oh, number three. Ah. This is all your fault. You hounded him for years, beat him to a pulp, and for what? Why are you so mean? Surprise! <laughs> you fell for the old fake Joker guy, Batman. Luke Skywalker, everybody. Yeah, Luke, give him yeah. a cock knocker. Everyone, get up for cock knocker. <laughs> That's his best remembered and best loved role. <laughs> Why, this is Batman Arkham City. <laughs> Batman likes Konami games. <laughs> Welcome to Arkham City, Wayne. What are you doing here, Wayne? If you kill your butt, you're gonna die in here. You're gonna be my bitch, Wayne. Goodbye. Back on the ground. <laughs> what are you waiting for, Wayne? Line A, move! Uh, not the last time in this game that a character you're playing as gets called a bitch. I thought it was a uh, bit much when the inmate like throws the ejaculate at you as you're walking uh-huh. by his cell. Though. Uh-huh. That was just, come on. Zack Snyder's mm-hmm. off on the side saying, like, no, in my version of the DC Universe, <laughs> Batman would get raped in prison. Um, <laughs> no, no, this is still a T-rated game, so yeah. the only thing the prisoners do is complain about having to pee and eat. Right, yes. Yep. So this it was, it was a close kind of tie between this and the original Arkham Asylum. But I, I think... Mm. I think Arkham City is, I hate to admit it, it's probably where this series peaked. Mm -hmm. It was my favorite of all those Arkham games. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I think, like, Arkham Asylum is kind of a more intimate experience. It feels more like a Metroid. Yeah, I think they're they're different games. Yeah, and City is, like, similar gameplay, but we're expanding it into a a full open world now. 
And then uh, Arkham Knight is too much open world. So yes. much open world, we're going to give you the Batmobile, and yeah. it's going to throw off everything. The worst addition to the series. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, you think it's worse than Origins? Uh, I've never played yes. Origins. I, I do. Yeah. The car is I, really I, terrible. The, yeah, well, the fact that they kind of force you into those cars, the car slash tank sequences where you're mm-hmm. like, all right. I, I don't think Origins is anywhere close to as bad as, as, I don't know, I've heard people talk about it. It's just like clearly made by a different team, but it's a fucking competent Arkham game. Yeah. Which yeah, but, I think that team is taking over the Arkham series, like their Court of Owls game. That They're the ones working that's on That's the it. one they've been teasing. Holy yeah. shit. It's a cool series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, oh. WB Montreal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Arkham Knight is is this was a rock city. Arkham joint. City. Arkham, yeah. I'm Arkham sorry, city. Arkham City. This is a rock city joint. And this was yeah, for me um it, it you know, everything that Arkham Asylum had started to do, Arkham City just kind of blew it up and made it even bigger. You know, in Arkham in Arkham Asylum you could glide whereas in this one they're like, "Nah, you can straight up fucking fly now." Yeah. Right? We're going to give you flight abilities. You're going to be able to pull yourself skyward with the bat hook and then just like open your cape yeah. at the end of it and it's going to feel so awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and, and we're only gonna... the, only the new Spider-Man game really rivals how cool it feels to navigate that city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's nothing better than like, yeah, taking that hook, going real high up in the sky, and then just doing like a straight downward dive to get tons of momentum, and then opening up your wings and like exploding. Yeah, right. That that in Spider-Man, like, I felt like truly embodied what it meant to be these superheroes at all times, and and move move faster than you could in a plane. If yeah. we're being realistic. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was just mm-hmm. like oh, I'd rather just be out of my plane right well, now, just gliding like. And in relation to Asylum, one of the things that I loved about Arkham City is it feels like it takes those sectioned off themed areas and just implants them into the city at an enormous scale. Like every time you enter a zone that is two-faced and you've got one section that's the nice two-faced Arthur Dent and then the other side is all like mangled and stuff. It's just mm-hmm. so well realized. Every single one feels different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the open it, world... It, like it, it, it does in a way make like Arkham Asylum seem like a demo for Arkham City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. City. Yeah. yeah like, or like a prototype because like I think this is what you actually wanted to make even though I do appreciate everything about I think Arkham Asylum is perfect in terms of replaying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think uh, Arkham City is a wonderful open world game. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's just so much they packed into that open world. Because the city itself, compared with, like, GTA V or, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the open world is not that big, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's fairly compact compared to these other games. But there's so much in there with, like, the Riddler collectibles. And it's and all got that. a lot of verticality, too. That's mm-hmm. worth mentioning. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, and it, it packs so many of uh, Batman's rogues gallery in. Like, yeah, you've got Riddler I I, with the... I remember... Being with Charlie and like, there's a reference to to scare. There's a reference to Scarface in Asylum, and then like, they're just all here. Like, yeah, the they were paintings here. or little Easter eggs you can find in the first game, and then they're just embodied with voices, and you fight them in the second mm-hmm. game. Go talk to Calendar Man. Maybe he'll say something yeah. interesting on certain days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you will. There's that. an achievement for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, like the, I, I feel like the the Riddler trophies were always arguably the best parts of these games because they're they're also masterfully built and yet like 
they're they're fun to do. You won't lose a ton of time or sleep on them, but uh, uh, until Arkham Knight, where they became mm, the car challenges. Yeah, the, uh, those car challenges kind of fuck. threw off everything. Gotta hate but, the car. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember like when when we were working with Charlie when he was working on the guide for for Arkham yeah. Asylum, and he like the Riddler trophies became like such a central part of his existence <laughs> at that <laughs> in that period. Uh, but yeah, I, I I loved it, and and it's like you you got you fight fucking Solomon Grundy at yeah. one point, <laughs> who just shows up and says his rhyme, and then gets his ass kicked. And uh, I think I think City is also where the Arkham series really solidified, like it introduced its its unique style of combat in uh, in Asylum, and I think it refined it in City. And I didn't realize until I was doing this just how important sound is to to this <laughs> it's the combination of those meaty slaps when you connect and the when you yeah. knock an enemy out yeah and you know not to fuck with them anymore. Yeah. Turn around. Exactly. And I think, it, it, like, maybe Arkham Asylum des- deserves more of this, but this did kind of pioneer a certain kind of combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's the same combat they used in the Shadow of Mordor games. Uh, even Spider-Man's combat owes a lot yeah. To, yeah. to these games. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe I owe, it owes it to Mark of Cree, but I still like it. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. the, I think the set the standards also for combat making sense and feeling right for that character. You know, yeah. this Spider-Man mm, yeah. certainly feels like it's trying to achieve that same level of yeah. feeling oh, right. You know, mm. I know, but Batman literally has spider sense, like down to the wavy I icon. Mean, that's yeah, that's true. yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. You know exactly when an enemy's going to attack, and you just you hit Y to dodge, and then hit him right back. Yeah, and you know we we're talking about like, see, Arkham Knight then tried to build on that and added even more complexity, and to the point where it's like it's very rare in games. I'm like. I forget how to do this thing because they've just added too many controls yeah. and options in there. Whereas at, at night, it was just, or Arkham City was just perfect. It's like, no, just the right amount of mixing in the bat gadgets with the regular old combat. And you didn't have to make it stupid, you mm-hmm. know. But but the, the good stuff about these games and, and combat's great when you're being attacked by a bunch of enemies. That's That can be fun. But, you know, of course, the sneaking, right? And it's like trying, yeah. there's a lot of, it's basically kind of puzzle solving. Like, hey, I'm going to get to this area. How do I take out as many dudes as possible in stealth before I then have to go in and fight? And it did that yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah. Also taken by Spider-Man. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that, that was true. one of the, the things that's just like with the, the Spider-Man game, like this is so clearly ripped off from Arkham. And it's not really appropriate to Spider-Man's character, and I don't care because it's so much fucking fun. <laughs> and and yeah. boy, does this city have a lot of gargoyles. Yes. Fucking gargoyles everywhere, man. Uh-huh. Gargoyles right. and street lamps, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hang dudes from something. Exactly. <laughs> and and grates in the ground that just run along the ground mm-hmm. for long periods of time. It's Sure. I remember uh, Arkham City was also, it, it was one of the things that got me in trouble, sort of, with the audience when I was working at Games Radar, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. because I'd taken a preview for it, and the preview was just like the opening hour or so of the game where you, you go to uh, Two-Face's courthouse, you rescue Catwoman, Joker fires that shot from the steeple of the cathedral nearby, and then you go over... And it's that that clip that I first played where you confront Harley Quinn and she's next to what appears to be Joker's dead body. And it's like, oh, you're so heartless. And the demo cut off 
dramatically right before Joker actually attacks Batman. Yeah. So and they're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. What could it be? And I think I ran with the headline, uh, Arkham City, Joker dies at the end? Question mark. And I was I was just making a joke saying, like, dies at the end of the demo that I, where I saw? Like, it was like, and I was thinking, like, of course he's not going to die. That's stupid. But everybody, like, started screaming at me about spoilers <laughs> and how I spoiled the whole game. They're not even going to bother to play it. I'm blocked on Twitter now. Fuck you, man. Yeah, like, no. wow, okay, maybe read the article. No, I'm not going to read it. It's got spoilers. Like, all right. Never, and that's all I'll and say about Seth that. And then Seth Rogen fucking went after <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, I, never I remember defending Go you, play but, Arkham but I also, City. I also didn't... I was like, there's no way they'd show that to everyone and have you write about it if that was actually going to happen. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Also, yeah. it's fucking comic books. No one yeah. ever dies. <laughs> Yes. You spend way more time with Joker in the next game. Yes. Which, by the way, is what I thought Luke Skywalker would be doing in Rise of the Skywalker most of the time. Boom. Being Joker? Being being Invisible Joker. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, Kylo? You're not really evil. <laughs> God, would have, would have been a much better film. I mean, there's like 600 things. Man, that new script leak is really fun. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I need oh, to go through that. That sounds like what I wanted to see. Uh, well, let's let's cut out on uh, another Hamill performance here. <laughs> it looks like I need to teach you some respect. There's nothing you can teach me, Joker. Oh, come on. There's always something to learn. Let's start with getting your ass kicked 101. Joker said ass! Oh my god! Oh my goodness. He never would have said that in the animated series. Joker. And that's that's what I can't get over, like the realization of Batman the Animated Series in an adult universe. But I never get tired of saying it, that this game is the first piece of fan service I've seen so exquisitely cherry-pick from everything that makes Batman good. Mm-hmm. It's it just like, the, it's the voices from the animated series, a specific story about Arkham... Yep. Uh, the Nolan music, uh, it, the Tim Burton look of the architecture, like, it was really neat. Like, if you had been paying attention to Batman, even, like, a cursory glance at Batman throughout the last 30 years, it's a really good representation mm-hmm. of the character. I also loved every single Catwoman sequence. I loved playing as Catwoman. Yeah. I thought that was a really clever addition. I loved it. Yeah, she I, was I remember thinking, fun. I would like, oh, I don't want to play as... Another character. I hate it when they do this. And like, oh, Catwoman rule. <laughs> yeah, she's so she's cool, so and she plays totally different. Wasn't she part of the DLC as well? Like, there was a couple Catwoman campaigns that were the DLC for this uh, game. I'm not sure. I know that Nightwing was part of the DLC, yeah. and you have to you yeah. play as Nightwing, and you have to go rescue Batman from Harley Quinn. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it amazes me in the Arkham games how many times Batman is rendered like completely helpless, and no one ever takes his mask off. Or, like, does anything permanent to him and was like, ha, I left you perfectly healthy in this death trap. <laughs> That's part of the Joker's game. Yeah, it's no fun to kill you while you're out cold. Yeah. Hmm. but I should replay this game. Yeah. It's it's definitely worth replaying. And the, the, I uh, believe it's on Game Pass, yeah. Yeah, the remaster's pretty great. Um, yeah, they have that whole, it's like the whole collection is remastered. Well, mm-hmm. other than the Origins. Origins. Yeah. 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 So, in, in Night, so two games. Mm-hmm. Well... Night will probably get remastered next gen. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I know you can. You can, you'll just be able to play it on next gen consoles. There won't be a reason to right. uh, to remaster it. But um, yeah, fantastic game. Also, I need to give a shout out to Kevin Conroy as Batman because he's fantastic. He's and, my favorite Batman. Yeah, yeah. 
And anyway, speaking of... Mine's George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe one of my favorite Bruce Waynes. Anyway. Didn't didn't George Clooney like go on a talk show saying like, they're making another Batman? I thought I killed that role. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Nipples, man. It had nipples. Ugh, why the nipples? Speaking of bats... Number two. You know a bat can sniff out a moth a mile away. Small animals. Can't say I'm really interested. I know your trade. Spotted those yellow eyes amidst the rabble in the square right away. Did you notice how much common folk love flames? The eternal fire will consume them all one day, one way or another. And as bats sense moths, so I sense freaks. And start by warning them, Novigrad's no place for your kind. I'm not going to toss a coin to you. Please tell me this is Arkham Origins. There's a lot of bad talk. <laughs> We're made yeah, by a bats. Polish studio, and yet I have a British accent. <laughs> this is uh, The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone Wild has hunt. a British accent in this game except for Geralt himself. Well, he's of Rivia. Yeah, that's true. Rivia is in America. So, what are you doing? <laughs> little in fact, Upper New York. <laughs> <laughs> Where, wherever Henry Cavill. Well, oddly enough, Henry Cavill is British. Uh huh. And does does and Geralt does, with does a British accent? Girl, yeah, that's no, funny. No, he, he does not with a regular Geralt accent, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. With, I'm pretty. Sure, like at least that? in the first episode, he speaks with a pretty thick English. I mean, accent. he's straight up doing yeah, the. I Geralt. mean, he is straight up doing the voice from yeah, Geralt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. This this is one of my favorite games of this generation, and, and it's definitely the most game I've played of this generation. <laughs> like this game, <laughs> with so much game here, it's almost oh, like Shovel Knight. Oh, this, and when you when you count the Heart of Stone DLC expansion, which is like normally, let's be honest, like DLC expansions, it's like well, yeah, I don't know if you need to go back and to a blood thing. Blood and wine. Well, but but yeah, the DLC for this first Hearts of Stone, which I think is really good, and, and almost. It gets overlooked because Blood and Wine was so good, but both of these DLC packs are so good, and that's on top of a main campaign that's at least going to take you at least 60 hours, if not like 100 hours, just to get through if you're doing the side stuff of Witcher 3. Like, there's so much game there, and Mm -hmm. then with those DLCs, like, you can easily put in 200, 250 hours into this game, and I don't, you know, for me, The Witcher... And Witcher 2 and and slightly Witcher 3, they were intimidating games. Like, I started to play them, and I went, oh, my God, this is going to be so good, and there's so much game here. I don't have time right now. I'm going to run away. And I did that with this game at first. I didn't come back to The Witcher 3 until probably 2017, so, like, two years mm-hmm. after it came out. And then it just took up, like, half of my year. Well, like it, 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 it's interesting that you say that, actually, because, slight confession, I never played The Witcher 3, and I shit-talked about it. Well, I guess about like an hour of it. And just like mm-hmm. you, I stopped. And I started playing The Witcher 3 a week ago for the first time because I watched the TV show. Okay, sure. <laughs> and sure. I'm convinced. And I love it. And I'm like 30, 40 hours in. It's so good. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Same, same here. I picked it up at a sale like uh, like when they announced the Netflix TV show. And the only reason I stopped playing it, like, this is so much. It's so exactly. much. It's in, It's overwhelming and intimidating how much game there is in in even that main campaign like it's there's too much like the world building is really good the writing is really good and it's like yeah as an rpg fan it rivals if not surpasses the elder scroll series in terms of like this is what a western rpg Mm. is supposed to be i mean hands down it has some of the best writing of any rpg i've played in recent memory 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the side quests in particular are yes. are written as though they are their own important singular story mission, oh, which yeah. is just yes. so impressive and is not something a lot of RPGs care about at all. No, I mean, uh, the yeah, most that, famous... That criticism I always give Skyrim for their useless side fucking fetch quests, mm-hmm. like... Uh, this has none of that. No, that no, and it's some of the best stuff in the game. Like if yeah. you if you skip the side stuff, like if you miss the Bloody Baron quest in Witcher Three, how do you miss it? It's in your way. But you ha- you literally mean, cannot get past that's true, that point. Yeah. But it, that's right. I guess that is. I think of it as side content, but I guess it is sort of mainline. Yeah. Well, but yeah. there's secondary parts of that. Like that, that's the quest line I've just finished, and I could see why everybody praised mm. it. But it, that storyline is woven in through these other side quests and there's different ways it can end based upon your decisions. Like, it's not just a one-and-done thing, you know? I think in a lot of games, you'd meet this guy, he'd ask you to do a thing, you do the thing, all right, bye, you're done, see you later. Mm. It's not like this critical story about this person and the realm and magic and all of that combined. Yeah. I wonder how many people, like, dropped off after the Bloody Baron because... So here's here's my thing with this game. I, I should have played this by now. It seems like exactly the kind of game I would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually fell in love with it seeing it at E3 when they did a demo with this creature called the Leshen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like this beautifully rendered forest. It's like trees blowing in the wind and stuff. Stuff that I hadn't seen before at the time. And so I started playing it on PS4. And got past the Bloody Baron into Novigrad. And it's like, well, I've played the first game. I recognize Novigrad. Let's spend some time in Novigrad exploring. And uh, let's let's do some stuff around here before we go to Skellige. And I spent a bunch of time on that. But the thing with The Witcher is it's a game that is was marketed heavily on its graphical quality. And mm. it's praised by PC players as like, this is one of the best looking games ever. Or it was at the time. And so I upgraded my PC around that time, and I thought, well, now I've got some serious graphical muscle, and Witcher 3 is on sale on Steam. I should start a new game and get to the Bloody Baron again and then stop playing again because now I've got an Xbox One X. I'm going to play Witcher 3 again from the beginning. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Totally intended. Well, Michael, I had good news for you. Mm -hmm. If you fell in love with the Leshen... Uh, it's featured heavily in an expansion side quest in Monster Hunter World. So that gives you a chance to play really? one of my other favorite games of this <laughs> generation. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, Another no, one of gaming's biggest sluts, Geralt. Yeah, yeah that's no oh, joke. Yeah. The Geralt sequences, they did, did, did the crossover event. Yeah. You fight a Leshen, and it's fucking hard. Oh, nice. But that, that ties into like part of The Witcher 3, and I, I only wish they would have maybe gone a little deeper there. When you are going after the monsters, like the high-level monster fights – you have to prepare for them a little bit like Monster Hunter games. Not not that in-depth, but it's like you have to equip the right weapons, you have to use the right potions, or you not equip the right weapons, you have to put like the right poisons on your weapons that, that are the things that those monsters are weakest to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's like, yeah, it, it adds this nice little level. Like you are, by trade, a, a witcher is a monster hunter, right? And so that is straight up like in this game. And you can waste so many hours just going after these, but you get some of the best rewards the game has to offer by doing those hunts and finding and beating those those difficult monsters. I think you can ignore all of that early on, which is where I think a lot of people, including myself, drop off. Mm-hmm. By the time you really start needing to do that, I mean, at this point, you should be comfortable with doing all that prep work. And you're right. I think some of the combat, which I thought was really weak when I first played it, is actually super rewarding in some of those larger boss fights. Yeah, I know a lot of people didn't like the combat. I I thought it was just fine. Like it's it's 
that scene in it's probably episode two of the TV series might be three where he just fights like a string of like 10 dudes before having to fight that girl like that. That is this game's combat. It's just so fluid. Like everything you do, you're whipping your sword around and going in circles and shit like that. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Once you get a hang of the combat, it's very fun and very good. And you, inter- you put in your little like witcher spells, you know, igni yeah. and shit and light shit mm-hmm. on fire. It's, it's so good. Geralt just loves to flourish when he attacks. You know, he oh, does yeah. all these crazy flips and stuff. Like spins the sword man. around his head. And... Yeah, yeah, like just yeah, yeah. just yeah. hit something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Witcher Three was a, I, I think, a really deep dive into the characters around Geralt, especially like somebody pointed out, like this isn't really even Geralt's story. It's uh, the story of someone else entirely. Young blood craves action. I understand that. But when you fight a beast, knowledge counts as much as your silver sword. At the very least, you want to be able to tell a ghoul from an owl ghoul. By markings, like unto the panthera tigris that in Zeracania dwells, and by the sickly paleness of its visage. Hmm. So you did read the chapter. So yeah, somebody pointed out, like, this This is actually series. His his adopted daughter's yep. uh, hero's journey, and you're just kind of trailing behind and piecing together what she did. Well, there are ser- the series sequences in the game are pretty good as well. You mm-hmm. do play the Catwoman of yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and to be honest, I, I don't want to spoil how and just this like game... Catwoman, she can't use any of Batman's spells or inventory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to give away the ending of this game or anything like that. But the way they close out the game, especially if you get the Blood and Wine DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, I would totally be fine with the next Witcher game just to be a Siri game. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm, Geralt has ridden off into the sunset for me. Like, I'm happy with the ending that I have given him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd totally be down with the Siri game. Like, I mean, it's, Geralt is kind of like that old show Kung Fu, you know? Like, he's not mm-hmm. really the focus, which is good. I don't think he's an especially interesting character, but he's a vehicle for you to experience everyone else's story. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what the TV series is playing on. Like, he's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the storylines in, in that game. Yeah, well, like, the, the first episode especially, like, I, I hated the first episode of The Witcher Show mm-hmm. because it's mostly focused on Geralt. That's part of the problem. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, like, cliche after cliche after cliche. And then the second episode suddenly gets really good because it's focusing yeah. on Yennefer. Well, the, the other thing this game captures, which uh, is is kind of a hallmark of the Witcher book series that, that it's also in the TV series, is a lot of the Witcher world is, it's all these political infighting amongst the different kingdoms, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it's and there's there's this constant backdrop of war. Like, Geralt's just doing his Monster Hunter thing, but he's kind of dealing with this world that is kind of shitty because these kingdoms are constantly at war with one another and their people are just like getting the brunt of it. Right. And Witcher three shows you a lot of that. It's just mm-hmm. like every time you're going into it, it's like, Oh yeah, no, we're dirt poor because the fucking war came through here, killed everybody and we can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what the Witcher really is. You know, it's yeah, bleak. I wouldn't even say it's kind of shitty. It's awful. Like, it's, it's, bleak. it's so yeah. bad. Yeah. 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 It's just like every scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail that's just like peasants groveling in mud. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But with more corpses. I could be wrong, but aren't all three Witcher games like they're set after the books? Like they're they're outside of the established fiction. I don't know if they're alternate universe or or not just, alternate just... universe, but like they're they're doing events that aren't covered in the books. Yeah, I know that's true of Witcher Three. I don't know about the other two. I didn't yeah. play them. Yeah, um, they're very different games. Uh, Witcher two, not quite so different, but they're all very yeah. good. But that's that's one of the weird things that in 
So in the Witcher games, in the first two games, uh, Geralt has lost his memory, doesn't remember his old life. And so one of the things that they build up is this romance between him and redheaded Triss Marigold. Ah, yes. And they throw that for a loop in Witcher 3 when he rediscovers his true love, Yennefer, and uh, sparks fly. Why didn't you contact me? Didn't need me? Didn't even want to see me? I didn't want to spoil things. I'd heard you and Triss made a great couple. Yen, I'd lost my memory. Really? That's your excuse? Terrible excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty good, but... Yeah, yeah I do too. That... Will you get to see the stuffed unicorn? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> that was their. I mean, they, their they sex brought it toy, to a bunch right? of events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they brought it to like packs. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seems like an essential step on this hero's journey. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what she would. Yennefer is it like lilac and elderberries? Like uh, lilac and gooseberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that 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 part of her gets immortalized in Dandelion's song. So. Like, you meet a guy fairly early on who's like, oh, dressed all in black, smells of lilac and gooseberries? Like, yes, Yennefer. It's like, how do you know her? Like, <laughs> from the song, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love that everyone in that world knows what lilac smells like. I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. what the fuck lilac smells like. I'm like, what? I mean, I everything smells true. like rotten corpses, so I'm sure they use yeah. lilac to cover that up. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> big fistfuls of lilac all over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but as everyone who's played The Witcher 3 knows, the real meat of this game is not in side quests or even in main quests. It's in this. Once more, there are four factions. Four what? Factions, teams, suits, similar to clubs and spades, except each suit has its own face cards. There are also special cards. Wouldn't you rather play war? What a waste of time. The Earth shall revolve around the sun before you comprehend these rules. I sympathize with that guy. They can't comprehend the rules. Just like any Final Gwent. Fantasy game, man. This hmm. is this is Triple Triad, the yep. new version. Yep. Everyone loves Gwent so much that yeah. it got its own game. That nobody played. <laughs> I have it, actually. I have a collection that I got at some like press event, I think. I remember uh, you having Gwent that at work, George. Yeah, yeah. you have the physical cards. It's a lot of fun. I mean, Gwent is actually a very well-designed game that's totally serviceable. Did you play the the standalone Gwent game that they eventually released? No, I should have. At that point, I was already in my I don't like the Witcher phase. So they made oh. it even better. They 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 made it more complex. Um, yeah. And so it's definitely nothing you could do as like the side game in this big complex game. But like, it holds its own as one of those card games. It's really really fun. Yeah. I, d- I do like the, the Pokemon gym aspect that it gives to certain characters like, oh, you beat me, the bloody Baron, and you'll get my unique card. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. I want to just carry around a stack of my own unique Gwen cards on the off <laughs> chance someone challenges me one day. <laughs> I drew it myself. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to believe that, yeah, in this shitty, like, medieval universe, it's just like, well. We got playing cards, so we're all right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you that have, feels you like cheating, like, Geralt. <laughs> you're just allowed to make your own fucking Gwent card and like play with it. That doesn't seem fair. It deals a billion damage. That's like yeah, when I play I Uno again. with my kids, and it's like those those Uno wild cards you can write in the rules mm-hmm. on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Draw twenty five cards. Yeah. That's bullshit, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, fucking fun Witcher, Witcher three, dude. Play it if you yeah. haven't played it, or yeah. play Gwent. 
Play both. If if you haven't played it, guess what? It's always on sale for like fifteen dollars or yeah, less for everything. For everything, the complete editions. Yeah. Fucking play and it. That's it's with amazing. The, I do have to give CD Projekt Red some credit. They gave away so much free content as well that came. Like this game was like their love letter and thank you to fans. Not that they didn't make a shit ton of money out of this game as well, but mm-hmm. like there is so much of this game that is so not what a lot of game developers or publishers do nowadays. It's like they just. They made the biggest game ever and then gave you more of it for free. And they had this whole they, they Didn't they include like a note in the box of this game? Like, yeah, this is how we feel about DLC and we're going to give you a bunch of free content. And yeah, we'll eventually charge for it. But you're still going to feel like you got your money's worth. And it's, it's almost to the point I'm like, I really hope Cyberpunk is able to deliver on that promise. Because like The Witcher 3 kind of set a really high standard. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's true. Uh, still, though, box... <laughs> Although, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm almost tempted to buy the the sixty dollars Switch version just so that I can start it. A fourth don't do time. That. Don't do that. The Switcher. <clears throat> the Switcher. The Switcher. <laughs> yeah. Toss a so. coin to your Switcher. <laughs> <laughs> Toss sixty coins to your Switcher. <laughs> gold. You get some credit. You get a dollar off yeah, that game. That's gold. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to dive in too. You're alive. You don't know how long I've been looking for you. I'm a ghost. Actually, now I'm your ghost. And you, well, you've been dead a long time. So you're going to see a lot of things you won't understand. Peter Dinklage handing that, in the flattest performance of his entire career. That wizard. Oh, man, I remember when Dinklebot was our, Dinklebot. our <laughs> hero. I did not mind Dinklebot. Dinklebot was fine to me because I, I love think I, I think I, Peter Dinklage minded Dinklebot probably more than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I I thought that was an odd complaint about like it's it's a robot AI speaking flatly. Mm-hmm. You guys love Legion. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like, but then he got replaced by Nolan North, which can't have been a high point of his career. But at least we got deliveries like this. Signal dropped. I got some broken coordinates. Venus, Northern Hemisphere, Ishtar region. Great. What do we do now? Great. Great. Um, I need great. you to run this fifteen hundred times, or at least until you get the <laughs> Look, I this is my cheat entry because I am when I say Destiny, I do mean Destiny one and two. Like it, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think of them as the same game. Even I do. It's a ten year experience, Matt. I firmly believe that eventually they will take all that Destiny one content, which is just abandoned, and they have to roll it into what what's out. there. I mean, like, they rolled the that first mission into Destiny two, like mm-hmm. as like. Part of the you said it was the free to play onboarding, yeah. Well, and even like the the moon is very reminiscent of the moon from the first, uh, mm. the, the one that just came out with the where the wizard came from, yeah, yeah. That wizard's from the moon, uh, George. I know you love Destiny because we got in trouble at work at one point because we <laughs> talked about it so much in a Slack oh, yeah, channel dude. that our uh, all of our mutual friend Annette, Annette was just like, All you guys do is fucking talk about Destiny all day long. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think Destiny. At when when I was playing Destiny at its peak, it was the closest I've ever come to full World of Warcraft mode. Like yep. thinking about raids, thinking about weapon optimization, doing like stupid runs, spending hours in front of the loot cave, like ludicrous amount of time in that game. Yeah, and and I know they never wanted to call it an MMO. This is the best MMO I've ever played and continue to play. And the fact that Bungie has been able to separate from Activision and still go on and keep this thing running and have 
adapted and had probably three different business models at this point yeah, with this yeah. game and it's just morphed into this weird thing but they they've listened to the community and they they've changed the game to hear community feedback it's like yeah to me this is and it shouldn't be too surprising because it's fucking Bungie, the Halo guys. But it's like, no, this is best in class of how you run a live service. And if there's anything that defines games of the past decade, it's this is the era of live service games. And to me, I know Destiny 1 gets a lot of shit. And, and I think most of that was because people had built it up to be this insane thing it could never live up to. The first game was, was excellent. And the second game improved on all those aspects and felt more like, like a really good expansion. And it's like... This is the game that I will continue to go back to probably for at least another 10 years because I don't see it having any signs of stopping. Hmm. And it's, by the way, it's been, what, six of those 10 years so far? Yeah. yeah. 20, yeah. 2014 game. Yeah. So I, I fell off of Destiny 2, I think, when it was having, there was it had a bit of troubles in its early days, but yeah. they've really improved uh, and put out a lot of good content for it. it well, like, it, its problem was it, it, it took a, all the feedback from Destiny 1. Destiny 1 had excellent endgame but the stuff to get you there was kind of shitty. Yes. And so Destiny 2 had really excellent campaign and really shitty endgame when it first launched. Mm. And and now they have that problem that a lot of MMOs have, which is like, well, how much do we cater to endgame players versus people who are still trying to get into this experience? And, and how much content do you juggle? Like, well, you have to be a certain level to play this. And they've, they've thought of some really creative ways to make sure that if you buy it at any given time, you're going to hit that in-game stuff within a few hours, not within a few weeks, right? Like that's right. – everyone talks a lot about uh, Final Fantasy XIV being one of the best MMOs ever, right? But everyone always says, yeah, but to, to play the new expansion, it's about a 200-hour grind or whatever it is. And it's just Jesus. like I'm never going to have time for that. But Destiny, mm. they, they, they give you straight-up items. They're like, here, just buy your levels and now you, now you can play all this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, here's just a token. It'll get you up to the level you need to, to yeah. play the new Yeah, game. oh, you got the new expansion? Here, here's a couple tokens for your characters. And... But something I find interesting about this, having not played it very much, is that, so you've got Nolan North as the ghost, as the new voice of the ghost. Yes. So you've got um, a man who is often perceived, despite his many talents, as budget Nathan Fillion playing a robot. And then you've also got actual Nathan Fillion playing a robot. Yes. I gotta go... Uh... See about a ship. Kate, our discussion is not yet concluded. Oh, I know. That's why I'm leaving. Uh, Cade 6 was always kind of the, the mascot of Destiny. He appeared in a bunch of the trailers and... Uh, and Lieutenant Daniels, come on. Yeah, I was going to say, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 he, he gave us this. Okay, so I'm in this super... Boring meeting about something, I don't know, wasn't paying attention. Then, boom! It was like an ugly contest where everyone was a winner. This one dude's all, Rawr! so I shot him. Then I shot this other one. Shot a couple extra guys just to be safe. I did I did a lot of shooting, I'm being totally honest. Then, they destroyed my favorite store. Second favorite, there's that spicy ramen shop. I'm getting sidetracked. Look, long story short, I get busy. And I'm thinking, I've got this. You know, when you're in that, you go, I got this. But man, <laughs> I so did not have it. Robots mopping uh, the I guess you have to be there. Uh. Well, better get back to it. Hey, any day now. This guy has one drink coming. 
So there's so many in jokes there, Michael, that you you may not even be aware of. The mm. robot mopping the floor is a joke. It's a meme from Destiny One of that robot that constantly mopped the the floor in the base. Mm-hmm. The spicy ramen thing is a reference to an emote that was like a, a legendary no an exotic emote when Destiny wow. Two first came out. The other thing is you forgot with your layer of irony. So you have Nolan North playing one, irony, one, please. You have Nolan North playing one uh, robot, then Nathan Fillion playing another robot. That eventually Nolan North went and played in one of the newer expansions because they couldn't get Nathan Fillion to do it again. Oh, but he's he's basically doing a really good Nathan Fillion impersonation. Mm-hmm. In it's not the shadow; it's Forsaken. Is, is, I mean, is, that's uh, Nolan North's whole career. I thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically Uncharted. <laughs> But dude, uh, yeah, and and that is one of the better written campaigns they've had. Like, oh, nice. it's 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 over a year old at this point. It, it tells the story of the death of Kate Six. Hmm. Yep, I mean Kate Six is the closest we'll ever get to Captain O oh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds being in a video game. Yeah, huh. right. for sure. Skull faced robot Han Solo. Sure, I'm down with, <laughs> with it. A horn. I, know I saw this on the list and was sort of like, huh? But then, like, I can't think of another game I, I had as the volume of positive experience in yeah, I thought you over loved the last 10 years as Destiny. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot to, there's always something to complain about with Destiny, and especially early on when it was like, this is a 10 year experience. I'm like, yeah, because I'm done in four hours. <laughs> like, when's the. The rest will be here at the end of the week. Thanks. Like, that was that was all weird. Well, it's, but it yeah, was because the game was appointment game because the experience was solid out. and it was good and it worked and it, it it continued to be better all the time. And like I, memories of those raids are like the kind of thing. Like I don't know. Like I turned my mic on after like at least half a decade of yeah having it completely in the in the drawer. Yeah. Well, and like then getting the, out there and playing with people. The way that the community came together to make Destiny One work, like the looking for group apps and Reddit groups and Discord channels that popped up to fill the hole that Bungie yeah. didn't fill with yeah. matchmaking, it's just so impressive and a testament to how strong that community was. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and like I, it's it's I, it's one of the few games I've met friends through over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? The the other thing this game we. we haven't even mentioned really is just like at its core like the moment to moment this game has spoiled me for life like it is the best feeling shooter i think i will ever play like it, it is best in class like for for shooting in, in a video game like if you want to play a first person shooter you fucking play destiny play do yourself a favor and play the podcast where the game launched and i called it like it's one of the most solid shooters i've ever played and tyler and michael mocked me mercilessly <laughs> for my vagueness <laughs> but, and lack of eloquence but it is it, it feels like, every gun feels so good they feel so distinct so different and just like you haven't lived until you fucking shot gallowhorn at a fucking raid boss and taken him down with that final shot and just yeah. like yes i mean i still remember getting the gallowhorn drop oh mm. chills yep it's nice. one of one of the best moments in gaming of the past decade, in one of my top games of Dang. the past decade, Destiny. All right, you are my density. <laughs> I'd say run out and play it, but odds are all of you probably already have because you're all on Stadia playing. Yeah, Brandon <laughs> on Stadia, <laughs> and the only game. Cross save, baby. <laughs> Actually, it plays really well on Stadia. I, I will give Stadia credit. Right, like right, it's it's job. and the fact that yeah, all your progress carries over to whatever console or platform you're already playing it on mm-hmm. it's also super cool 
Nice. Well, that's been Matt's top five. We'll return next week with Chris's top five before we launch into the final top ten. But before that, we have a second segment to get to where we're going to talk about some new releases, some new, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash lasertime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I really need you here for... I just okay. described it to you earlier. I need you to talk me off a ledge. I saw Rise mm-hmm. of the Skywalker day one. It instantly left a bad taste in my mouth. I had to fight every urge in my body to go online and complain about a Star Wars movie because I promised myself I would not be that person ever again. <laughs> but here we were, and I, I know I have some rational criticisms of the movie, even some rational negativity towards the movie. But what I hate is that like it has overshadowed the things I know are fine and okay and work would work in any sci-fi adventure movie. And, sure. and, and that's, I think that's why star Wars becomes such a difficult property. Um, because I, and I think that's, that's, that's why this one looks so weird. You can see the strings on them trying to please everybody. And in effect, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. in effect, like sure. slightly displeasing a lot of people. I, I knew I needed someone like you or, or Dan Amrick just that like, I have a little more balanced look at like how to deal with small pieces of disappointment where it doesn't end up coloring your entire experience. But I think, yeah, I think uh, Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker started out to me with things I read as egregious changes to address the worst possible kind of criticism, and it colored the rest of the film for me. And I, I walked out yeah. like thinking, like I can't even see what the good moments were. And as I talked to people, like what about this and that, and like yeah, you're right, you're right. Those are like, but I was in a bad mood. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back for our final segment, where we will just hit this button. You guys big Atelier fans around here <laughs> like to get drunk on Budweiser and watch the monster trucks and play some Atelier games? Wait, wait, wait okay, well, now I say Atelier. You know it all. Atelier. He'd say Atelier. Atelier. You want to drink some Budweiser and play some Atelier? Yeah, so the Atelier Dusk Trilogy uh, Deluxe Pack is coming out for Switch and PS4, and the games are available individually on Steam for like thirty-five dollars each, which seems this a bit is this is steep. Anime week, anime week, anime week. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like all three of the big releases this week, including Atelier, mm-hmm. are anime related. Because well, there's no competition; you have to pick this week. You know, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but I I know honestly very little about these games. I know that they're very uh, dense JRPGs. That in uh, Two of them, Atelier Esha, uh, sorry, Eska and Logi, and Atelier, Atelier, (laughs) let me do this again, Atelier Eska and Logi, and Atelier Shally. 
Uh, you can play as two different characters that each have their own stories uh, and, and see the story from two different perspectives. But the, the one thing that I know I've brought up before on here is that Atelier Eska and Logi has a title that only makes sense. It's so it's an English pun that only works when you say it in Japanese because Atelier Eska and Logi, if you say it, a Japanese person would say it Atelier Eschatology. So eschatology is the study of the end of the world. Ah, but not that, to be confused with scatology, which is the right. study of shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, <sorry. laughs> I'm a shit man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, that it, because to in Japanese is end. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe you. It's. It, it it continues to frustrate me that there was no way to translate this pun, which is a pretty good pun. This this series holds a similar place to me as like the Etrian Odyssey games. Mm-hmm. Like I know they're probably very good. Yeah, they definitely have their fans. They have fans that play them and talk about them a lot. Just never wanted, never really had the itch. or the t- or the tales of is another series right there that mm-hmm. kind of holds that Great same example. place. Yes, like, yeah. Like yeah, I'm sure they're quite good. Tales is probably a bit more popular, but yeah. Well, of course, I mean, he's Sonic sidekick. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles of Destiny, my favorite spinoff series. My favorite JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other anime game this week? Uh, Dragon couple. Ball Kakarot. Kakarot. Kakarot Cake. Yeah, the, the RPG. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Oh, wait, a Dragon Ball RPG? That's never happened before. Hmm. Not for a while, but uh, th- this is kind of an interesting... It's, it's like, it's a... Is it an action RPG or just an RPG that it follows uh, Goku's storyline? Kakarot is his actual name. It's his Cal L instead of Clark Kent. Um, wow. I, I cannot believe sense. I just learned that. Go- Goku is basically just Superman retold in the context right. of Journey to the West. With the tail. Yes. Huh. All yeah. right. Cool. That's right. The monkey thing is Journey to the Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My brain just went you know. super science. <laughs> <laughs> It's a level above galaxy brain. <laughs> galaxy destroying brain. How many power levels are we talking? That's all I know Over 5,000! That's all I know about this series. Is if, you, if you wait long enough and look like you're taking a shit, your hair will change color mm-hmm. and you'll get super powerful. I, I used to have that series on in the background while I do other things. And I swear to God there were entire episodes that were just two dudes yelling. Just like, ah! Yeah. Like, no, there would be like... Ar- multi-episode arcs of just like Frieza and Goku powering up before yeah, a big yeah. fight. And that's the A plot. The B plot is where this actual <laughs> story <A> happens. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to Goku. <laughs> I don't know. Is anyone else looking forward to this? I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it so we can talk about it next week. Please do. George, you a DBZ fan at all? Not even a little bit, no. <laughs> I, I wish I was because there's a fan base that I respect their passion, but I've never had any interest in it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I missed it. It's it's one of those things where it's similar to Pokemon for me. Like I was just a little too old where had I been young enough to like maybe if I was still in like I don't know, junior high or something when when that show was on TV, I would know more about Dragon Ball but I just Here's the thing, it. you were. You was just I? weren't in junior high when it was on TV in America. Well, that's okay. Thank you. But yeah. I, I was there and I loved it. Like one of the first things I downloaded video-wise on the internet was like fan sub DBZ things and I actually think it's semi-remarkable and the only thing I have to compare it to in my generation is that we have 
decent Transformers games, but like, how many twenty-year-old cartoons have like good games, decent games, twenty years after the fact? It's fucked up. Yeah, there's no good Ren and Stimpy game. It, like, that's true. That's Yet, not it's not coming out every year. <laughs> Spy vs. Spy NES is one of the best yeah. comic-based games. No, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind was. of a small miracle. <laughs> so, like, even if the, even if the games suck, like they're so good at fan service and being who they're for, they just keep coming. It, it, I, I find it a little bizarre, just because I don't know. I see them on Adult Swim, and I, I don't hear anime fans talking that much about Super. It's all based on the love of Z. Speaking of fan service and anime fans coming, yes. uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE uh, Encore. Encore. So I actually did play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. So oh, yeah, this, this is the one that's the crossover of Persona meets Fire Emblem. Yes, right? like like literally yes. that mm-hmm. crossover. So yeah. the way that I see it is Tokyo Mirage Sessions to Persona is like kind of like Final Fantasy X two is to Final Fantasy ten. Huh. If that makes sense. In what way? Like it's it's tangentially related, but it doesn't really feel that way, and it won't satisfy the same itch. George, you're mm. too smart for this show. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, well, you know. But is is this a game that you would be excited to play on Switch? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> didn't didn't enjoy it. On, on, it was a Wii U game. This is is this the last Wii U other than the Mario? Still still waiting on Wonderful 101. Okay, but it, there, there's only two or three trapped Wii U games now that have not yep, made their right. way to Switch. This was a holdout. Mm-hmm. This was one of the few. Yeah, it, it, it they're really close to erasing the existence of that whole system. Silent Hill Shattered Memories. I guess that was a Wii game, huh? Shattered yeah, Memories. That's got a Switch version of it. Uh, by the way, uh, 10 years old on PS2 this week, 302010. Little shout out. Yikes. But what yeah. was a Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think? Like the, right, the Xenoblade yes. semi-sequel that didn't... Uh, but they, yeah. they ported the last one to another console, so I wouldn't put it mm. past it. I mean, if you want your Persona juice, then just wait till Royale comes out this year. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But I also like Fire Emblem, George. How can... I mean, it, it should be something then that play, we like. Play Fire Emblem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. You've got a Fire Emblem to play okay. on Switch. Okay. I know this game has fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this, no, they're just not, they're not the here tonight. But Unfortunately. That's oh, well. fans. Mm. All right. Well, but that's anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's move along to... Hey guys, remember how Sony skipped E3 last year and we said, oh, of course they're just waiting for 2020 because they'll have a new console to Mm -hmm. show. Yeah, they're skipping uh, E3 2020. Yeah, Sony's out! They're out! It's crazy. Oh goodness. That is really not good. No. Do you think that's not good? Is that your reading of it? I, I think it's canary in a coal mine stuff. Maybe for for E three, it's it's definitely yeah. As not, far as E three goes, I don't know. I don't know that it's, that it's catastrophic, but it's not good. Uh, yeah, because like E three, if if anything, is a gathering of retailers and journalists to write about the next year's new shit. And I'm sure they'll have an, a, a separate event, but like to not have a presence at that, to not have it in the same news feed as all the other gaming news is. Yeah, that's strange. I just think that the relevance of E3 has gone down over the years anyway. Like, I don't know. And it's hard because we haven't had a console cycle in a while. Let me clarify, George. It's not not bad for Sony. It's fine for Sony. Like Chris said, they'll be fine. They're going to do their own thing. I think it's not good for the ESA and Mm -hmm. for E3. Yeah, Sony participating could add another, like, three years to the EA's relevance when we're old and gray. 
Yeah, I and, mean that's definitely true, right? Yeah, and, and that that that's what bums me out. But you know, also, I don't know how much time is there to show your console before the holiday season. Like, you're not going to have anything playable in well, June. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Well, number one, that they they, you know, to to prepare a demo for a trade show is not a small undertaking. A nightmare. Even right. a vertical slice, it's like no, this has to be polished. This can't crash. This has to be, in, in many cases, like if you've ever played a demo, if, if you've been lucky enough to go to E3 and play a demo, the final game that you play might have very little resemblance to it. Like this, it, it's a process and it's expensive and it takes a lot of man hours that could be spent actually prepping a game mm-hmm. and or prepping a console. And if I were to guess, I would say, you know, Sony in the last couple of years, like the last time they were at E3, they didn't really have anything for people to play except for Spider-Man. Only, only Spider Man. You know, I'm not. I'm not dissing Spider Man. I'm just saying that was the only thing you could play at the Sony booth, and uh, you know, they, it, it might just be that like this isn't ready to show publicly yet. We're going to have our own uh, press conference that won't be yeah. in L.A. That will probably mm-hmm. just be a live stream because that's I'm sure more economical than renting out a whole theater, and uh, then we're gonna. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's. I think that's spot I want, on. I don't right? want because anybody because, to think that I'm in the know about this. I'm just spitballing here. No. Yeah, I also don't know anything. But just because, just because they're not at E3 doesn't mean they're not like around E3. You know, because for all I know, it's just a more they're going to set up their own more manicured experience yes. rather than being on the show floor. Well, mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons they might have pulled out of the show entirely is maybe they don't want to be around E3 because they they know Microsoft will be doing their thing. And so, like, if I'm Sony, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm wondering, yeah. they probably did the cost-benefit analysis in, like, yes, you know, when they had their press conferences and stuff, they had people tune in, but maybe they, they I think last year they did their, like, Sony Direct thing, and it's like, well, maybe just as many people tune in and they get just as much coverage without spending the literally awful. millions yes. of dollars yes. to do to do the press conference and to set up that booth at E3. Like, literally, it's millions of dollars they're spending, that they're, they're saving this way. And maybe this is like, look, if we're at E3... The press, are, they can't help but draw comparisons between what we're doing versus what Microsoft's doing. Maybe they want their own beat. Maybe they want their yep. own, hey, we just yep. want people to talk about our thing. We're going to do it a couple weeks before, a couple weeks after, so that we have all of the spotlight on us. Like, Yeah, I, I, still, I still think I think you're right, and they could think that. I still think that would be arrogant. There, there, there are still people, there are still outlets conditioned with this being the time that they cut, where CNN sends a video game correspondent into something, and they won't be covering the PS5. But they still might if, if say, Sony invited them to Redwood City to do Maybe. it. Maybe. But, yeah. like, but, but I'm I mean, saying, like... PlayStation 5, it's like, look, it, the console, a new console cycle is such big news that, frankly, they could be on a boat outside of Manhattan and people will swim over to play it, you know? But, just yeah. like, but having worked in the space before, like, you can't... Lapsed fans tune in for E3. People who haven't played a game all yeah. year. Uh, outlets who don't cover games all year cover games. Like, the idea that Sony thinks it's bigger than that. I mean, what I'll say is, I, I think going into this, I don't necessarily think... If someone asked me beforehand, hey... Sony calls me up and says, hey, George, what do you think? Should we go to E3? I mean, I don't know if my answer would be yes or no. It feels like there's a lot of data there, and they probably have access to it. I don't want to go. You (laughs) you should go. Yeah, It just feels really unusual because they have a new platform that we're all assuming is coming this holiday. 
Right. right. They, ha- they have a physical thing that I think people want to see, photograph, touch, showcase, and talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is a big... If I'm working in their marketing department, like, are we nuts? Like, this is publicity. Mm-hmm. It's worth the money. You're going to spend millions of dollars on way stupider shit. Look forward to more Rick and Morty Death Stranding advertisements. I mean, there's like, still share of voice concerns for E3. I mean, a lot is going on. It's a physical thing that they want to show off, but E3 is all about the games. And so I guess the, my bigger concern is, like, we haven't heard anything other than Godfall about, like, PS5 launch games, right? right and so right. E3 would have been their chance to be like, don't worry, guys, this holiday, here's, you know, we got the new system, and then here's the five or ten launch games that are coming with it. Like, I guess they, they could do that during a Direct, but, like, yeah, like, how are you going to get people to get hands on those? That direct was awful, and I never want to watch it again. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm fascinated to see what they do, because I have no idea. I feel like, by the way, Tim and Brett would kill us. It's state of play. They they do state of plays. Nintendo does direct. So, so mm, sorry, right. guys. Whatever. Same I mean, difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they won't be mad at me for what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, I, I think this is definitely though. You know, for Sony, it's fine. They, they'll they'll get their coverage, and I do agree. With, I agree with George. Like, it's the new PlayStation. I think the mainstream press will cover them. They'll probably do something to to get that coverage. Like they've been. They've been partnering with Wired on all their announcements, right? Like, that's that's their new yeah. thing. Who are New do. York-based, by the way, so you can get them there. Yeah, so. yeah. But I, I think, really, though, if I'm more, if I'm the ESA, that's kind of who should be like, hey, um, that is, hey, you guys were supposed to come back come this on, year. Like, to my end, Maddie, you've worked in games, too. You cover all your bases, and E3 might be an expense, but it's seemingly a worthwhile one to be part of the conversation when everyone's talking oh, about yeah. games. And, and those, mean, those millions of dollars expensive. I was talking about saving, those are drops in the bucket compared to what the yeah, launch for, marketing for budget will be for, for a PS5. Sure, you know, but still, it's... No, it, I'm actually more worried about, like, what does this thing look like? We're, we're not... I don't know. I guess we are a year... Uh, about, oh, a little less than a year out, but I don't know. I feel like I, I knew more information... I think I knew more information beforehand on the last console release. Oh yeah, what yeah, games yeah. were coming out? What the what the thing fucking looked like? Well, I mean, PS4 was announced in February, and then it came out later that year. Yeah. So we okay. have about. I remember that they had the, really the big concerned. reveals at E3 when like I I I was on the inside at the time. I I, I, <laughs> I, I pre-ordered one right after the other. I remember that. Mm. <laughs> I, I I meant to bring it up. Uh, my Destiny was my first PS4 game because I had the white Destiny PS4. Oh, nice. wow. nice. it'll, it'll always be the Mario to my PS4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it's it's a big deal to the industry that Sony's not going. I don't, I don't think I'm not worried about PS5's success. That that thing's going to sell like crazy anyway and and yeah, it's what I'm more curious about is like okay, what's Sony do now? Like what what are they planning? If they're not going to E3 to show this thing off, when are they showing it? How are they showing it? Like yeah. Right. And I'm more talking about like the arrogance that cost Xbox the generation this generation. Hmm. That the winners typically do that. I mean, I, I will give you that. I think Microsoft is positioned so well going into this console yeah, cycle that it's their game to lose, which is bonkers. I would never thought I would have said that when the last console cycle happened. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there because they've, they've got the service side nailed down. You know, oh, yeah. with, with yeah. the Game Pass offering, with live, oh, with, with, with the streaming, yeah. the X stream, and all that, or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. And and the uh, our games will play on both systems. Yep. Like Windows Xbox Series X yeah. games will play on Xbox One. Eh, it's funny you mention that, Michael, yeah, because that funny. ties nicely with our next news item, mm-hmm. which is that uh, Matt Booty. Matt uh, Booty, that's your name when you're playing Sea of Thieves. <laughs> 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 That's right. Uh, who is? Oh, Matt Allen's name. I got it. 
Well, Persona Five dancing all night. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's 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 one of the um, one of the. Let's see. What is Matt Booty's title? He's like head of game studio, head of Xbox Game Studios. Yeah, he he basically came out and said that there will not be any Xbox Series X exclusives for at least a year mm-hmm. after the platform launches because which, they're also going to be playable on Xbox. That's One. the thing. So a lot of the news outlets were covering this like, oh my god, everyone panic! There's nothing to play on the system, and it's like, no, hold on. They, it's because everything is playable on both, which that's more like the third-party strategy. Like, I, I remember the last generation seeing Assassin's Creed Black Flag in on 360 and then saying, oh, now here's the Xbox One version of that. Yes. You know, like, But typically, first parties, they try to have some platform exclusives because they want showcase pieces and they want to wow people and give them a reason to buy the new platform. And so it is It is a little odd that they won't have any that are... Well, okay. It's any produced in-house that are exclusives. Right? That's not to yes. say there's the no third-party third party Microsoft exclusives. games. Who has a billion dollars and hopefully can put two separate executable... I think I was more worried about like buying an Xbox Series X game. Do I have to say that again? Oh, that's awful. Uh, or you just say XSX, which also doesn't roll off the tongue. No! My girlfriend blocked <laughs> that from my browser. I can't well, type what that they've anymore. actually said is that it's just going to be called Xbox from now on. Yeah, the Series X is like a, it's a, the version, the particular version of the box yeah. that comes out at launch. It's, it's like the iPhone XSR B7Q. I wish I was dead again! <laughs> it's like Doctor Who, you know? It just sort of materializes where your old Xbox was. <laughs> it's actually more... It's like the Xbox One S. It's it's the S. Yeah, so I guess, I, guess I thought they would box. be selling one piece of software in the box, a, a new box, and you could throw that in the Xbox One as well. And that was like, wait, no, I don't... That, that that can't work out well for the new system if it you can play the old game software on the 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 new game software on the old system. Hmm. I'm still hmm. baffled by what this means. I, well, I, really I mean, am. I mean, one note to say in regards to how this is worded, it still leaves open times exclusivity, which I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe not they'll do or. Well, I think I think it's rather brilliant the idea that like if I want to play Halo, what is it? I don't know. Infinite. Infinite, Infinite yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to play Halo Infinite, and I go buy that to play it on my Xbox One. But it comes in a new case, so here on my shelf is a constant reminder of a new system. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, the I, I think that it, it will be like they're saying for the first year, this will basically be the Xbox One X2, where it will play all the same games, but it will play better looking versions of them. Mm. And and but eventually your old Xbox One is going to be obsolete and the games won't play on it anymore. Here's here's the booty oh. dog statement. So let's get his exact words in here. <laughs> booty okay. dog. Booty dog. The booty meister, yeah. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> As our content comes out over the next year, two years, all of our games. Here's the key word for me. The key term. Sort of like PC. I'm going to emphasize that and get back to that. We'll play up and down that family of devices, said Matt Booty, head of Xbox Game Studios. So it's being like PC, which is the key to me. Is like. PC doesn't have generations. It's like when when the yeah. new Nvidia cards come out, you know, games it's not like they're like, "Oh my god, like now you can't play anything else or, or anything like that." It's basically they're kind of showing their hand here like, "Yeah, consoles now are just like PC where it's like they're more incremental upgrades." And I swear when we get closer, they're going to tell us all this stuff that's not possible on Xbox 1. Yeah. And you're going to yeah, get people curious about what yeah. sacrifices are being made to make this playable in the family of devices. Well, uh, yeah. and I mean, that's people's fear. The people's fear with this announcement is because of the lowest common denominator factor is is like, yeah, when you're developing a game, you have to develop it for the lowest common denominator platform that can run it. And so they're saying, oh, you're going to be holding back other games. But it's like, well, no, Microsoft's not stupid. Like, right. you, you, you can bet they'll be incentivizing people to 
add in some features that if, when you put it in this box, the game can do this. And then when you put it just in the in the regular old Xbox One, eh, maybe it can't do all that. You know? It's a dysfunctional family. <laughs> but I, I would say that kind of removes some of the incentive to buy an Xbox Series X at launch. If like, well, I can play all the same games for a year. Why not just wait till it's cheaper? It would take them more uh, more than a generation to earn this, but it, like, if the idea, if you're buying an Xbox game and you can expect it to work on any new system, you would upgrade it with both console and PC behavior mm-hmm. while still having the confidence to buy whatever game you see on shelves. Not a bad idea. Yeah, see, I think as, if you think of the, where they make most of their money, which is eventually the game sales, not the system sales, it's a brilliant play because it's like, okay... Yeah, now I can feel confident buying Xbox uh, or Halo Infinite, even if I'm not going to buy the new new console right away. Yeah, for like two years. Because I'm, I'm, I'm future-proofed, basically. And then I can get the new console, and it'll look better for me, you know? So. Sure. All right. So, they, so yes, this is the Xbox news. But uh, here's, you know, here's some news that I found interesting because it, it's kind of showing Nintendo and the Pokemon companies think they're, they're, they're starting to catch up with the other guys. Um, Pokemon Sword and Shield is going to be getting, uh, the well, I guess it's the Pokemon series' first paid expansions that replace the old traditional model of what they used to do, which was an all-new version of the game, right? So instead of, like, Fire Red or, you know, like the super versions of those other games where they make you buy a whole new game to get that, that expansion, they are going to be charging people $30 each for the expansion passes. Now, there is some confusion around the expansions. Like, each expansion is $30, but it only works with the version of the game you have. And so a lot of people are outraged. Like, I, w- I was just going to say, can you imagine how many suicide threats, how many fucking death threats came from this good news? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that Nintendo, every time they make an incremental progress towards the 21st century, <laughs> they carry with some bullshit burden of the past. <laughs> so if you're one of those people who doesn't play Pokemon games with friends and trade amongst the versions and buys both versions for yourself and you want to play that expansion on both versions of the same game that you own, you will have to buy two ex- both expansions, which have the same content in them. It's just they work differently with the different games. So theoretically, you're spending $60 for each game and another 30 So that's $180 to experience the full Sword and Shield experience. The thing is, I was talking to TL, frequent guest on the show, and he was like, yeah, but... The whole point of Pokemon games is you're supposed to trade with your friends and play with other people and you buy one version and they buy another version mm-hmm. and then you trade and you transfer stuff amongst your saves and all yeah. that stuff. Like, So the people who are complaining, you can make fun of because you can say, ah, you don't have friends and you're just really mad. <laughs> right. Do you know how many people on the internet do not have friends? Hey, I'm one of them, by the way. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to play Pokemon with other people. I'm, yeah, I don't have any friends either. Yeah. I spend more time with you than my family Dude, who lives down the street. You know that PlayStation thing where it shows your year in review? I had a total of six hours spent playing online with other people out of all of my hours playing last year. You know, you know how many hours I had? Two. Zero. Nice. And my most played online game was Space Junkies. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was going to... To be fair, though, this also means that the exclusive Pokemon that are in the each version of the expansion, I'm already locked in. I can't now change my mind to get the other... Pokemon versions. Well, I think, no, the, the, the expansions, if I understood it correctly, they have the same 200 
new Pokemon. Like, I don't think so. I think there's oh, exclusive wow. Pokemon again for in each Sword one? versus Shield. Oh, that yeah, is kind of shit. If you bought Shield, you are locked into the Shield expansion. Okay. See, I, I my understanding was because they have both the same two new islands, which they kind of are rolling out. Like you, you buy the expansion, and one comes fairly soon, and then the other one comes like next summer. And right. then and there's it's like 200 additional pokemon they're not all new like they're they're a lot of them are bringing back the old pokemon that people are already up in arms about because they left out of this game i, I don't want to get those people riled up like yeah I, I would never report on this news again these people are awful <laughs> but i think it is a sign of progress that nintendo's not saying well let's go ahead and just charge for an all-new game we're just gonna charge you 30 dollars incremental upgrade and now you can expand your current game hmm. well i ha- if i could recancel my pre-order and no, I'm fine. <laughs> Doing all right. Game of the year, 2019. Yeah, Monster Call it. Uh, speaking of people complaining about things where they get cool shit, uh, the evil Epic Game Store turns out is uh, pretty successful mm. and people like it. Uh, in fact, Superdata did a survey. Nine out of ten gamers didn't give a shit about the exclusivity of certain games on the Epic Game Store out of people they asked. So there's that. Uh, the service, though, uh, Epic came out with some stats. So they launched this thing, what, December of 2018. To date, the store has racked up $680 million in revenue hmm. from 108 million different customers. Now, they count as a customer anyone who's even like created an account to get one of those free games they've been giving out. Uh, mm. And that was also part of this announcement. That program has been so successful, they're extending it all this year. They're going to have weekly free games through this year as well, which is awesome. So free shit. Um, so out of that $608 million, though, 251 of it was for third-party games. Because a lot of people would hear that and go, well, how much was Fortnite? So two-thirds of it was Fortnite, but still $250 million was from other people's games. Uh, the most popular titles, here's, here's what sold the best on their store, nine out of... Let's see, nine of these are third-party titles. So you got World War Z, Mm -hmm. uh, Satisfactory, Dauntless, which is free-to-play, The Goose Game, Outer Worlds, Borderlands 3, Metro Exodus, The Division 2, and Control. Those are some of the most popular games on the store, several of which were – these were exclusives to the store. So whatever they're doing, it's working for them, and I know people are complaining, but – it's I don't know six hundred and eight million dollars I mean, six hundred eighty million dollars itself. Sort of like the Epic Store, there are a few things that I wish that they would change. I'd like the if the UI were a little bit more scalable, so I didn't have to click on the big pictures of everything. Uh, I'd like it if they let you have multiple install directories, and that if you had to reinstall Windows, it would recognize games that were already downloaded, so I didn't yeah. have to download 121 gigabytes of Red Dead Redemption 2 more <laughs> no. than once. There's a lot of stuff that's still on their roadmap, for sure, in terms mm-hmm. of functionality, but it's new. It's it's December yeah. 2018. Sure. You know? It's been a year. So. Uh, so far, though, it's looking like it is proven to be a fairly big success, and I mean, for... The PC market, like Steam, was so dominant for so many years. The fact that anyone is able to carve out any market share there is, is actually pretty impressive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It got me thinking because, like, I was hanging out with a, some of the younger folks today, and I was giving somebody some money, and I was like, yeah, Venmo now, but I have the Cash App. And I'm like, the Cash App? I don't want to download a new app in one second. <laughs> when? Like, I was so fucking incensed. And I'm like, maybe it's like an old person thing. Like, I just get confused and scared whenever I put my card in. You mean anything. I have to move my thumb? It used to be thumb? that way. 
<laughs> well, it's it's also like oh, I'm going to share my account with some site that I've only just heard of. Right. It, yeah. Another potential for hackery, but you know, like I I do have a wife pillow subscription, so oh. I haven't. They're gonna they're gonna get hit. <laughs> it's first very important. I feel a little bad. I feel like we've been portraying, you know, a lot of gamers as just complaining. So let me let me end on a couple positive notes. So Awesome Games Done Quick was able to raise more money than they'd ever raised before. So the most recent event, Go Lizzie. they raised three point one million dollars uh, from fifty four thousand individual con- uh, donations that came from over eighty countries. It's the largest amount any single Games Done Quick event has ever brought in. Uh, this event ran from January sixth through January twelfth, twenty seven. 100 people participated and concurrent Twitch viewership it peaked at uh, 236,000 at any given time. Um, this was the 10th anniversary of the Games Done Quick events. Over that decade, they've raised over 25 million for charities, which uh, which wow. is pretty awesome. George, I feel like you've watched you've watched some speed runs. I have, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, was there anything particularly noteworthy this year during the event? Um, yeah, there was actually, I watched a, I don't even remember what game it was. I think it was a Final Fantasy, oh, Final Fantasy VI. I watched a really buggy, glitchy playthrough. <laughs> I'm a fan of those runs, to be honest, oh, as yeah, opposed sure. to the more regular runs, because you yeah. get to see some of the inner workings of the game. Uh, that one's only like 30 minutes, so that one's really good. I think someone beat Outer Worlds this time in like 12 minutes or something. Nice. Yeah. Ones. Oh, I saw someone also did a speedrun of Control. I don't know if they did it for AGDQ, but that was pretty interesting. Nice, nice. Uh, speaking of raising money for charity, Activision is raising money for the Australian Brushfire Relief Fund. Um, they're selling a pack in Call of Duty Modern Warfare called the Outback Relief Pack. It's available now. It contains a bunch of Australia-themed content. Uh, the pack costs 1,800 Call of Duty points. That's around 18 bucks. Uh, 100% of that, of the net proceeds, are donated to help fire relief efforts in Australia. So if you're playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare, or even if you're not, if you just want to give to that, go ahead and buy that pack. Hmm. They should that's put wonderful. in drop bears that you can call on your enemies. <laughs> I mean, I know koalas. They're they're ornery. Little also, fuckers. did Outback Steakhouse provide any funds? They better <laughs> Come on, they owe their entire oh. existence to that country. Come are, on, are right. there any of those left? Like I haven't seen. I mean, one I guess their kitchens are on yeah, fire. You can think of at least two near us. But, really? Yeah. Hmm, maybe head over there after this. Yeah, Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> great. Get some baby. Get some baby back ribs. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I was more thinking the awesome blossom, George, but that's fine. Oh man, I love me some oh, blooming so onions. Hungry, I'll tell you stop. what. <laughs> <laughs> Outback Australian for TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought you by Steakhouse. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> Once you're done eating off flame broiled burgers, donate to the flame charities for the fire relief yeah, in Australia. All right, that's all the news that is fit to play. I just I wanted to, I want to discuss one thing just because I was talking with Michael about it. Uh, GTA Five hit Game Pass, and I think that's one of the most significant free games. Holy shit! Yeah, you can you can get right now, and I was just sort of astonished. We, we were talking about it in, in context of our game of the decade, and it's like it's hard not to mention GTA somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's also like if you have Game Pass, just download it, even if you played it already. Because like I just I'm still astonished by how many changes have occurred just when you from the first moment you play the game. Hmm. Like the, the video editor, the thing that was only supposed to be exclusive to PC is there. Oh wow! All these these new additions to the UI. You can uh, play the whole uh, thing and, in uh, first person. It's crazy. Play the whole thing in first person, but like I had it on PS4 and 360 and PC, and there was still stuff like, when did this happen? Mm. And 
it's all free. <laughs> like even the, I think that's astonishing. Yeah, I did yeah. only play that on last gen, so I, that this would be yeah, my chance. Yeah, I, I would recommend giving it a shot because it still looks really good. Cool, that's awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, time for the community segment, which is always segmenting. His segmenting our community. Uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what game are you most looking forward to this year? On VigiGameApocalypse.com, first to respond was Laser Time Rules, who said. I'm looking forward to new old games. The remakes of Final Fantasy VII and Resident Evil 3. Holy shit. One, that was just delayed, but only delayed by like a month or two, right? Uh, no. Final Fantasy VII Remake was delayed by three weeks. Adventures was delayed right. from May to September. So. Yeah. But Resident Evil 3, that's happening soon. That is April, I want to say. April? Really? Yeah. So yeah. close. Damn. Very close. Right next to Final Fantasy VII, then. Wow. I wonder if they're worried about being in each other's way. (laughs) I'll buy them both. Who cares? Dang Morlock says, I'm going to be the odd one out and say Guilty Gear Strive. Oh, wow. Yes, you will. (laughs) Arxis consistently makes the most gorgeous, feature-rich fighting games. As a fighting game convert, a friend had to drill Street Fighter 4 into my head for me to finally embrace the genre. I sucked until I didn't. And now the hypest shit ever is a close match with a friend on the couch. And Guilty Gear is unlike any other fighter and the best 2D via 3D animation I've ever seen. This is true. Ooh, Neff Dog on Twitter says, uh, ex- equally excited for three games. Cyberpunk, Ghost of, uh, oh no, how Tsushima. Tsushima. Tsushima and Doom Eternal. Unfortunately, I'm still playing games from 2018 and 2019. Haven't even started Assassin's Creed Odyssey started. and the backlog is growing. See you in a year. <laughs> so I may get to those three games by 2020. I, I still haven't finished Fallen Order yet. I, I play it like almost like, like three times a week. Yeah. These are good games that he selected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I realized it's been six years since Sucker Punch came out with a game. Damn. Really? Oh, Ghost yeah. of Tsushima. That's true. It'd be good. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah like, was was there a last game? Infamous Second, Second Son? Second Son. Well, First, Second first Son. Light. Yeah. First yeah. Light, excuse yeah, yeah, me, yeah. yeah. Still. Yep. Yeah. Actually, good. George, you weren't here last week. Is there one that you're really looking forward to? Man, uh, we just did our, our most anticipated games of 2020 podcast mm-hmm. uh, this week. There's a lot of good games coming out this year. I'm extremely excited for a lot of the ones on this list. Um, man, I guess I just to pick a weird one, Boyfriend Dungeon. Do you know what this huh, game is? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The name sounds familiar. This is the beautiful marriage of Dungeon Crawler and Dating Sim, where your swords turn into hunky dudes or girls or a cat, <laughs> and you date them to increase the power <laughs> level of them in the dungeon. Nice. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Turner from Facebook says... Despite being surrounded by people who were playing it when it came out, I never got around to Persona 5, so I'm pumped for for P5 Royale. I managed to avoid spoilers this whole time, so on top of the new content, there will still be the twists in the main game that I'll never see coming. Ooh. Man, you're in for a treat. I'm gonna I'm actually also really excited for Persona 5 Royale. I did play Persona 5, but I'm just gonna play it again. Yeah. I might I have finished to, it. But so all I'll those, start it up all those bits where it's like, oh nope, you're in exams now, you can't do anything for several turns. Well, Chris Likosit says, Streets of Rage 4. As a kid, we would beat 2 almost daily. And when someone asked me to cosplay for a convention, I put on my trusty jeans and a white t-shirt to pull off Axel. It looks great. People say it plays great. And they got Yuzo Koshiro to do some music. It's not an official release of Streets of Rage Remake, but I'm all in on what I've seen of 4. Very nice. Nice. And uh, Philip... uh... 
Longuet says, I-, I know the crew isn't super high on Lego games in general, but I love them. I'm keen for the big marquee games, but this is likely to be the game I play the most uh, this year, and I'm very excited. Which Lego game? Yeah, which Lego game? Did you cut Oh, sorry, there that? was a link to a YouTube video. Is there video. another Star Wars one? There was a link one? to a trailer. It's, there's another Lego Star Wars. Huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the, like, what, the last collection. Yeah, I think it's tied into the, these new movies as well. It, it will be better than the new film. I'm sure it will. <laughs> hey, Chris, maybe you haven't finished Fallen Order because you're afraid of finishing Star Wars things now after the last movie. After Mandalorian yeah. ended and, like... Yeah. It, like Everything was so good with Star Wars except the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Everything except, yeah, sad. And then there'll be no more Star Wars no, no. until next year. No, um, no. But uh, we have a video response from Red Rock Nine Six Three, who says, "Hey VGA, it is Red Rock Nine Six Three answering the question of the week, and I, I feel like that there's something coming out in March that I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> but I just." She's got Can't cloud put my finger on it. I'm um, just looking at the release system. list. I mean, we've got Animal Crossing. They've got Doom Eternal. Hey, Alice. What are you doing? Put my cloud figure back. Uh, uh, um, there may be a Moogle. So we've got the Lang Greaser uh, 1 and 2 re-release. We've got Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. I just... I can't think of anything else that might be coming <laughs> so out in March that <laughs> I've been looking forward to for 20 years and just isn't coming out. I mean, what do you think, Alice? Is there anything coming out in March that we're both really looking forward to? <laughs> nah, I got nothing. Animal Crossing. Anyway, it's uh, great to hear from you guys again, and I can't wait to talk to you later. Yeah, well, just, you're right. It's not coming out in March. It's coming out in April now, Red Rock. Well, that's that's that the explains thing. what she forgot. Yeah, she, she says, she replied to it saying, thanks for delaying the game till April and ruining my joke, Square. Yeah, you may need to point out that this was recorded before the game was delayed. Uh, she also, I just want to point out, she has two cloud uh, action figures in the foreground. She's holding a Moogle on her lap. She's wearing a Sephiroth t-shirt. There's a cloud wall scroll in the background. Yeah. And yes, the cat does... Uh, pick up a boxed cloud action figure at one point. Uh, nice. <laughs> so she went all in on that joke mm. that only I can see. Uh, no, no Advent Children stuff in there, though, huh? Not weird. that I noticed. Weird. I mean, weird. you know, who can tell anymore? I mean, maybe not a true fan. That's that's fine, I guess. All right, yeah, yeah sure, fine. <laughs> uh, my cloud looks like a bunch of Amazon boxes stacked on top of each other. Um, uh, new question of the week. Uh, how important is E3 to you? Like, how how closely do you pay attention to it? Have you ever been to it? Have Is it something that you were really interested in but have lost interest in? Is it something that you're more interested in now that Sony's not going to be there? What? Uh, I, I don't know. Let, let us know. Yeah, Sony was really dragging E3 down. I'm so glad. <laughs> Come on, Sony. <laughs> Um, I don't. I, I mean, I've I've been to almost every single E3 since like 2003. So obviously, it's a it's a centerpiece of my year. I, I think it since since I've gone to from being in the gaming press to working for a games company, it's taken on a very different tenor. But it's still very important to me, and I I think it's still it's still a big deal. And I think you know inviting the public in is kind of opens it up to a new audience that uh i don't i don't know i don't know um i've i've been with it through its ups and downs and through its years of virtual non-existence in santa monica but what does everyone else think 
I, I, I feel like if there wasn't some kind of Super Bowl for video games, and I know Jeff Keighley's trying, but that, I mean, that's a great commercial reel, but, but like, uh, we would try and invent one. And if you, if you thought about E3 as if it were spontaneously created tomorrow, where there'd be a stage where they'd announce new games on all your pr- favorite platforms, and you can go on a floor and play them uh, with LA celebrities. Yeah, like, maybe the Beatles cool will show up. Yeah, you'd be like, that's too cool to exist. <laughs> and like, you might be right, but it, it did at one point, and it was called E3. And, and I, I don't like going there. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I really don't. E3 is synonymous with, with, with high stress for me, and I, I, I'm right. glad I don't have to go mm. anymore. I mean, I'm happy to be the E3 curmudgeon here and say that I think we should just get rid of E3 forever. I I understand I'm one of the lucky individuals who've been able to go almost 10 years in a row, but I think the best gaming experiences are ones that are community-driven, things like PAX, things like Gen Con, which is board games, admittedly, but I think it's a great example of an awesome fan event. And E3's just never been that community all-inclusive experience it's it's nope. been a big sales pitch and i think if it were gone and something needed to fill the void if that void was filled by a more community driven con or experience you're just gonna, gonna give it all to greg it. miller then george i mean i look i really don't want to give it to greg miller but <laughs> i mean at the end of the day like i just i don't i don't think we need it anymore everyone else will collectively get together and figure this shit out i don't know as a marketer in the games industry who relies on E3 as one of like kind of the tools in my toolbox, like I, I think it it is still hugely important. But I don't think it's it's the thing that it used to be like the one big beat that you had to make sure you were at. Or it, it, to me, it is, it is just another. I remember tool asking to, developers like, "Do you think this helps at all, or is this something we all think we have to be a part of?" I mean, I, I think the best comparison I can make for E3 is it's kind of like uh, Times Square in New York where there's all of these ads that are there, and the only reason those ads are there is because people are there. And the only reason people are there is because all the ads are there. And it's just the Ouroboros snake eating itself. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, it, we don't. I don't think we need it. I don't think we need it. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's never been more ways to communicate with, with people than, you know, right now as a marketer. And so, yeah, it's not... It's not as vital as it used to be because it used to be the thing like, okay, if you needed eyeballs, right. this is where you went because all the press were showing up. So it's it's no longer that. But it's still very important to have an event where a bunch of eyeballs are, you know, checking things out and talking about games, right? But yeah, there's 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 a lot of drawbacks to that too. Is like, well, yeah, you're one of many big things that are trying to show off at, at this event. But I still do think like it is important. It's not what it used to be, but I think if it went away, the industry, we would miss it as a whole. Like, you yeah, know, it's and, not just me being, something it's not would, just would me have being to take nostalgic. I just, I don't know of one day, how do you get, how do you get the entire world to care about games for one week a year without it? But mm. I, my question would be, do you think we need to get, all, all people who are interested in all games to be paying attention? Like, what if we had I a... Do. I mean, what I if we do, had, like, a JRPG I, I are, or something? I don't know. Games are too diverse to have, like, an Oscar ceremony that's going to end up, like, rewarding everyone. And, like, while people like us roll our eyes at, like, FIFA and Madden announcements, like, to know that they're happening alongside, like, Halo and Spider-Man and Mario Kart, like, it's... Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It, like, we will, we will reflect fondly upon E3 
even those of us who have have had like really stressful times there, and I am one of those people. I think I think it's Same. really tough for us to evaluate it because we are all core right. gamers. Like we are straight up like hardcore yeah. hardcore gamers. Yeah. Like so, my yeah. life basically revolves around video games, one hundred percent. So we're looking yeah. at it through a way different oh, lens than like the people that E three speaks to are those people that aren't necessarily keeping up with gaming news or whatever. Like it manages to break yeah. through the general the normie zeitgeist right mm-hmm. and so if e3 wasn't able to do that i don't know what would because i hate to say it but like the normies aren't gonna go tune into the playstation twitch stream they're just not right you know and so- i have i have never ever in my life even at the premiere of the naruto animated movie rub shoulders with the bbc well you, well, you can't do that because the Naruto run. Your shoulders are kind of tucked yeah. in, and your arms <laughs> are splayed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're, you have I, a low profile. I, I blended in. I blended into the uh, to the wall scroll. <laughs> but but but, it, uh, but but seriously, like I, like uh, CNN. I mean, I meet CNN reporters and BBC reporters who fly from all over the world to be there. I don't, I just don't. I don't think. I think if you, you could try the rest of your life to recreate that, and you never would. So just letting it die is something I'm now kind of considering. Being someone who fucking hates it. It's funny because I know a lot of people talk about like, oh, Gamescom can replace it. Those people have never been to a Gamescom. Gamescom oh is a is there is too much shit going on. Yeah, it's, it's way worse than E3. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a circus. Like it's crazy. And um, my memory of Tokyo Game Show is basically just like, okay, wait for a gap in this line of people going by and then just jump in and let it carry you to where you hope you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, though, is we're also in like a post-influencer world, right? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. like Shroud mm-hmm. can get more eyes on his stream than CNN will on their Twitter account, you know? True. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, so so I, I I think it's important, but yeah, it's it just has a totally it's just one of many important things now that you that you yeah, can do. Yeah, it's it's just true, not and that's true, but that's thing, that's just you know? that's just me saying like it feels like a game holiday now when I get to watch it from home, and I would sort of miss that if that was gone, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and as a dude who like the games industry was around well before E three, like E three right. used to be this part of like CES. It was like this weird little branch that mm-hmm. then split off and became its own thing. So it's, you know, the industry would be around. It's not going to die or anything like that. That is what we're talking about in next week's bonus time, Matt. Thank games you. will cease to exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll all collapse in on each other to one singularity, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> one game. And that game will be Pokemon sword with the expansion, not shield, just sword. Mm-hmm. With the just expansion. sword. Yep. yep. That's it. Yeah. All right, so what does E3 mean to you? Let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com and answer in the comments under episode 350. Uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook and answer there. Uh, anyway, that's been our show. Let's go with some plugs. George, uh, tell us more about Experience Points. Uh, it's a podcast where 555 episodes deep. You Fuck! can join us wherever podcasts are sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week we talk about all of our most anticipated games of 2020, and there are a lot. So come on down. Nice. Where, where do I drop in? If I if I haven't been listening, you know, I kind of fell off at episode 478. Where, where can I pick up a plot thread? I, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> start from the beginning. It's it's sequential. <laughs> plot matters. Episode one, baby. Damn. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll get to it right after I finish Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I get caught there up there first. <laughs> you haven't seen the Breaking Bad movie yet? That was the best webisode of the year. <laughs> not. Chris. PL Uggs. Uh, yeah, my buddy uh, Jeremy, we stopped by. We talk about the leaked Star Wars script last, so as not to spoil the movie for people who still haven't seen it. 
uh, that from Colin Trevorrow, which is... I was talking to Michael about that earlier. This this d- director's cut of Rise of the Skywalker and this league script, this, all this fascinates me because like s- the studio meddling has done something very weird to a much beloved franchise. And yes, my prediction in this week's Laser Time, which is the best TV of the year, is that you might as well just give the Star Wars movies to Dave Filoni and John Favreau, who have done a fantastic job with, uh, among other things, Clone Wars and the the Mandalorian. Sure. And uh, and uh, also thirty twenty ten this week. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Oh my God, guys! Hmm. I think I can predict right now a movie that doesn't get talked about enough, but that you all love. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. That came out thirty years ago. Tremors. Oh yeah, oh, sure. I love Tremors. I Holy saw that. Graboids, friend's, man. Friends, birthday Everybody party. Everybody loves Tremors. It's a perfect film. It's really good. It is a fucking triple A B movie. Yeah, and it's worth hearing us talk about it on thirty twenty ten this week. In addition to other things that came out thirty twenty and ten years ago, like Sh- like like Silent Hill, Sharded Memories, mm. and Dark Void. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Dark uh, which. Void. It, <laughs> I, well, guess what, fellas? The Video Game Apocalypse guys have been uh, doing helping me out with a monthly big 302010 video game recap. So if you have any dark voice thoughts, guys, please save them. Okay. <laughs> Do you talk about uh, Tremors 2? Because I also love Tremors 2. It's not bad. It's just that the, the, like, the effects in Tremors 1 are so good and the effects in Tremors 2 are so bad. Very bad. Very bad. <laughs> like, cause it's it's the first CG, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they have like walkers and stuff. It's walkers. rad. It's cool. Watch those movies. <laughs> but yeah, Tremors. Tremors is like a um. I don't know. It feels sometimes it feels like an alternate reality. Like, I love this movie. Why doesn't everybody else? Oh, Roger Ebert gave it three three and a half out of five, four stars. Everyone loved this movie. Sweet. Uh, it just doesn't get brought up. It, it it should be like my generation's Jaws, and we just don't talk right. about it yeah. like it. Tremors rules. Yeah. Pardon my French. I feel like it's beloved. So yeah, it's just it's just omnipresent. There've been so many of them mm-hmm. that people are just used to Tremors being I there. Suppose. It's like E three. If it went away, you'd miss it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of diluted Tremors as well. Let's get, let's mm-hmm. get a reboot. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. They just Sci-Fi just passed on it two years ago. Oh, but you can what? see the pilot online. I think. I mean, Kevin With Bacon's Kevin like Bacon. immortal. He looks the same mm-hmm. as when that was made, so he could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How is Sci-Fi in a position to pass on anything? <laughs> Very good point. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> That's why Michael is on this week's Laser Time, the best TV of mm-hmm. 2019. Look Ooh, forward to it. Nice, man. nice. I will give our sister show a plug. I've been listening to a lot of Padulkin, the Laser Time Network's uh, podcast, all about arcade games. Where if you want to hear a story about what Namco has to do with the Yakuza, with a little game called Galaxian. Uh, check out their, not the latest episode, but the episode before that where they talk all about that. And then the latest episode is all about asteroids. vector graphics and asteroids. So uh, two great shows. Uh, check those out and then go ahead and check out Cheap Popcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling, where we will be doing a preview and a review show of the Royal Rumble happening at the end of January. Oh, did I not say patreon.com slash laser time? There it is. That's where you there can There it is. You can exclusively uh, hear the preview episode. Oh, this no. year's goal is all about uh, me being able to afford health insurance. I have been sick for what feels like months, and I'm <laughs> I'm almost there, ladies and gentlemen. It's getting it's Good. getting hard out here. Don't make him sell his copy of Viva La Bam. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the, 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 the PSP UMD copy of Viva La Bam that he received as a Christmas gift. 
Thanks, you joke, but uh, I almost I almost parted with some amiibos today just to just to pay this goddamn bill. Oh man! So hook it up, y'all. Right. Yeah, <laughs> patreoncom laser time. Go get us paid. Um, anyway, yeah, I believe that is our show. You can uh, check us out on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or go visit at Wikiparas on Twitter if you want to see me get totally owned by Seth Rogen uh, with two simple words. <laughs> Could have been worse. <laughs> Could have been Joe Rogan. You could have had another Rogan That's, going after. I'll go through um, all the Rogans. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'd like Fred Rogan from Rogan. from and then, LA and then TV the Reagan Sportscaster. Hmm. Hey, hey! Nobody talks shit about Bropra. <laughs> what is happening i don't know we're ending a show <laughs> all right well that's been our show thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week bye Guests. Oh, can you hear them? Oh, yes. Okay. Shut up. Let me shut the door. I'm podcasting in here. It's like one of the saddest things you can say. <laughs> I'm making art, you know? You just need one of those red lights to have on outside your door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Silence on the air. Mom, Mom don't come in on podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we had a promo. This. Mom told come in, I'm casting my pod. <laughs>